Welcome back to the Red Sector, a podcast about speedy motorbikes. I'm your host, Matt Polanski. With me, as always, Josh Wilson, Bono GP. A couple quick housekeeping notes. Please be sure to leave a five-star rating review and subscribe. It uh, really does help. And follow us on Twitter at Red Sector MotoGP. Uh, it's been a long time since we got together, guys. Uh, scheduling has been a nightmare. <laughs> uh, we're here. Uh, we're going to do a quick rundown of Saxon Ring because as good of a race as it was, there really weren't a lot of talking points. Um, Which is not why so, we didn't do the podcast. Let's just make that on. A point. Yeah. Yes. We didn't just go, well, not much has happened, so we'll suck it off. Like, we didn't go, oh, well, Matt Mark has won a, won a race, so uh, we're not going to bother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll just... We'll, Got to ask, guys, how we been recently? Josh? Yeah, pretty busy. Um, it was my birthday last Sunday, so I was kind of caught up in that. So kind of watching MotoGP, I had to take a back seat that day of all days. So um, I managed to see I managed to see him, but I wasn't like fully in on it, you know, focused on it. So, um, but I, I got to see the the races today. Um, the uh, Assen, which is always a favourite of mine due to its, you know, its history. I can't believe the only race it's never held was last year. That's just mind-blowing. Like, yeah. in the whole, since 1949, which is crazy to think, but, you know, good to have it back on the calendar this year. Um, and it was a good race. It didn't disappoint, actually. All three were pretty exciting in their own ways. Bono, how have been? Yeah, same as Josh. Very busy. Um just busy with uni work and stuff like that. But I always, no matter how busy I am, I do everything I can to uh, fit bikes in between. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I managed to watch all the races and whatnot. But like Josh said, it was more a case of with Saxon Ring. I can't, I'm, obviously, I watched them the whole way through. But even when I was watching them, I was like, there's a lot to digest. But at the same time, it's not something that, you know, we can pick the bones out of and people say, oh, I didn't really realize that. Or, you know, yeah. kind of delve right into. So, yeah, um, both great races, but like I said before we got on air, I think Saxon Ring's more technical mm-hmm. and Assen is more action. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, both great races with plenty to talk about, so yeah. Yeah, so uh, we'll hop, we'll start off with uh, Moto3 in Saxon Ring. Uh, podium was Pedro Costa, Kaita Toba, and Dennis Faggio. Um what was it you wanted to bring up? Salich. Yeah, so he started pole, DNF'd. I think he was 15 laps in? No, 15 laps to go. So, Bunner, what did you want to bring up about this? Well, yeah, because obviously, like, Salach is, for me, I think he's one of them that I watch him and I always look at him and think, yeah, he fits Moto 2 better than he does Moto 3. But, Having said that, his pace through the years has been better and better, especially since being with Snipers, considering he came from the team that he's now moved to, which I'll get on to. Um, so he got pole at Saxon Ring. Has like a fairly, I'd say, what looked to be rough start. Then pulls into retire and you think nothing of it. And then for anybody that's not, you know, maybe you don't watch Moto3 as much or you just watch the main class or whatever. The guy that got pole in Moto3 basically has lost his job since. Um and has now gone back to the team that he was in before getting sacked by the team 
he was just racing for this year. So yeah, it was weird with Salac because I don't think anybody would be in their right to say that they saw it coming or, you know, he's he's been going downwards or anything like that. You know, there was nothing to suggest that that was on the brink. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Right, and he he's going back to the... T- he's actually going to take over for... Um, Jason DePasquia, oh, yeah. Yeah, it just completely banked on his ammo. Like, it starts with a J. Uh, he's going to take mm-hmm. over Jason's bike uh, as kind of like an homage to Jason. So, I mean, it, in a way... It's bittersweet, it, it almost, isn't it? It's bittersweet. Yeah. yeah I mean, it doesn't right. feel like he got fired. It feels like he almost was like, look, I can't do this. I have to go back. Yeah, but at the same time, like, it doesn't make sense... You know, I mean, there's a lot of riders in all of the classes. Like, <laughs> this is this is basically opening a can of worms here. But Vinales and Alicia Spargo are really good mates. But that doesn't mean to say that if Alicia Spargo's teammate Salvadori is going to lose his job, that Vinales is going to take his job. Not, you know, I know different uh... circumstances. <laughs> but <laughs> having said that, that's a whole other story. But my point is. There has to have been something a lot deeper than just, I know Jason, the whole Jason situation is horrific, obviously, and they were good mates, and he used to race for the team that have lost Jason, but snipers still have a contract with him, and he's just got pole, and, you know, like like I say, he's looked better and better each race. I remember watching him at Qatar and thought, he looks better than what he did last season, and all of a sudden, he loses his job. You know, that that doesn't just come about for the sake of saying, well, I want to go to that team. It's like, well, I'd be looking at it. If, if it was a case of there was no arguments, I'd be looking at it from Sniper's point of view saying, well, tough, because we've got you. We, you know, you just put it on pole. You're looking good. Carry on. But what seems to have happened is he's pulled in with a technical problem and they've basically said the results aren't good enough and you're blaming the bike when it's not the bike's problem and there's been some arguments or whatever and it's just blown up and it's gone the wrong way. But... Yeah, it's really weird, but nothing else has really much right really been said. So, yeah, we don't really know what's going on, have we? We, yeah, it, it it's definitely not performance based, really. I don't think. Um, he got that second place at Limon, was it? Um, I guess he's down, he's down in sixteenth in the standings, but that's more because he's missed four races, if anything. So it's definitely something behind closed doors, which none of us are privy to. Is the reason why you know he's left the team. Yeah. So, yeah, really weird one. I'm. I think everyone's kind of just been like, "There's something gone on." He's got a ride. They've replaced him with a VR46 rider. Let's move on. But nothing's really been said about what's happened because everyone's kind of come out of it. You know, all parties have kind of moved on. Do you know what I mean? There's not somebody left out with something to argue about or something to complain about. I think Salach looks happy that he's moved back to a team that he's comfortable with. He's honouring his friend, Jason. Um, they've now got a second rider in their team. Snipers have gained a young talent. I think, if anything, it's a good thing that we're not kind of blowing it up into a big deal because it's not. Everyone's happy. We move on. So, yeah. Yeah. So, with that, we'll move on to Moto2 for... or. Aki IO2 at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> podium, we have Remy Gardner, Eric Kinnett, and Marco Benzeki. Uh, 
Except this week big... it wasn't it wasn't Akiyaya <laughs> too, was it? I mean it it was because Remy won, but the big talking point was Raul Fernandez going off was it like four laps in or something? I don't even think it was that. I mean it might have been four laps in, three laps in, but they just look unreal. Like after lap one. I don't know what you caught of it, Josh, because I know you said you didn't you, you watched the races through kind of phases and whatnot, but if anybody watched that from lap one, you'd have thought they were like four or five laps in. They gapped the the whole field by a second in like one mm-hmm. lap. It yeah, was... they had a second gap in one lap. Yeah, it was like okay, okay remember that let's bit. all race, let's all race for third, and everybody else, you know, fight for the scraps. But when he went down, it was just it was one of them. You don't expect it from somebody like Fernandez, but yeah, fair play to Remy. He just chipped away and chipped away and got the business. You know, did the business. Just does what what looks to be what Remy does. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it was interesting because Raul got the lead for a little bit. And then Remy passed him back and was like, okay, you want to play? Let's play. See if you can keep up with me. And it was just Remy pushing the bike as hard as he can and Raul trying to keep up with it. And just, you know, at a point was like he couldn't anymore and tried to lean it too far and the bike just washed out from under him. Yeah. I think yeah, I mean, was one it, of the oh, go on, Josh. I was going to say at least uh, I, I was going to say I think it's been coming you know Fernandez Gardner slip up of DNF in um and Fernandez has had his I'd say you know he's had his slip up um, obviously when we move on to us and we will we'll discuss how he's kind of bounced back from that but you know it, it it was that time. I feel like they were both pushing hard. From what I saw of it, you know, you knew that from the fact that they were a second in front of everyone else. Um, and I felt, I felt like it, it was bound to one, one of them was going to go down. But yeah, having said that, um, we did say in terms of Sam Lowe's for that race, you know, for him to be in, you know, title contention, he needed them two to slip up, and one of them did. But where did he finish in the end? Was it I think fifth? He finished fifth. But to be fair to Sam, loads. Uh, yeah, yeah. For, for, yeah, for Sam, he's always well, he's never really liked Saxon Rink. I think Saxon mm. Rink is a Marmite track in terms of riders. Yeah. I think he, riders literally either think like Marquez think this is ideal for me, which it is, and you've got riders like Sam who are just like you know, if I can get in the top five, that's a win. And when Sam yeah. got off the bike, he he looks. I've never seen Sam look happier for P five. Yeah, or, I, guess, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, like Sam was, I think, P8, like three laps to go, and then he just chipped away in the last few laps and got a fair fair handful of points. But like you say, we say, oh, wait until Fernandez slips up or whatnot. And I know it's all good looking in hindsight and looking in hypothetical situations and stuff like that, but that is where you want Sam to be like P2, P3. Yeah, he, need, he needs to be in them situations. Same with, with Bezeki. yeah. He's trying yeah. to. He's chasing down the pack. He needs to be there when when either of them two slip up. And he he finished fourth, did he? Or was it three? I think. Oh, did he finish three. third? Third. Uh, DG was fourth. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, having said that, <laughs> we've looked at other races where you think Sam bring it home, and he probably if he'd brought it home, he might slip down to a P four, P five. But he he pushes to be P three, P two. So. You know, I think it's just the standard that Remy and Raul are setting at the minute. Oh, God, it's just yeah, unreal. It's just untouchable. But, you know, I mean, Remy's not crashed 
once this year. Not mm, any practice yeah. session, not warm-up, not qualifying, not race, nothing. Absolutely nothing. And you tend to forget he's a rookie. Yeah. Who, Remy? Like you, well, oh, no, I thought you said Raul. Oh, uh, no, no. Ralph. Remy's not crash, but Raul, Ra, Ra, I mean, is that Raul's first crash? In, in, in races it is, I think, I'm pretty sure. Mm. Uh, yeah. But that, yeah, if you're talking about Raul, that's that's unreal. I mean, one for a rookie not to crash in a race in Moto2, that tends to be irregular. Like, you get a rookie that comes up just finding the feet. The hardest jump to make is Moto3 to Moto2. And he just, you know, it, it can be like a, a rear end just slips out or like a front end just folds underneath him. Fernandez, not only is he not crashing, but he already like knows his limit. Do you know what I mean? He already looks like he's on the limit. And what I was going to say was earlier was I think Ralph Fernandez has got that intelligence about him where now he's crashed. He's like, okay, that is the limit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that it can be a blessing. Dangerous. Yeah, that is dangerous for a rookie in a sense of dangerous for other people because you've got this unbelievably fast rookie on an unbelievably fast bike with a great team who knows his limit. And then you move it forward a week, you know, it, it's reaped its rewards. He's he's found his limit. He knows where the bike stands and he's yeah. a rookie. So he's got nothing to lose. If, if Ralph Fernandez doesn't win the championship this year, no one's going to, you know, say, well, that's your chance gone, you know, yeah. whatever. He, he's like, what, 20, 21, and he's showing the field up as a rookie. It's like, go, f you know, I, I don't blame him at all, like, or think of him any lower or less, sorry, for crashing out at Saxon Ring. Fair play to him. He's finding his limits, finding his feet. That's the first crash he's had as a rookie in Moto2. It's unreal. So, you know, as much as it, it, it'll be kicking himself because he's lost out to Remy, he's still, the standard he's setting is still pushing the rest of the pack, like your Sam Lowe's, Joe Roberts, and the likes of, to crash anyway. As a, You know, like we've been saying, Josh, for ages, you see Sam chasing them down, crashes out, because the, mm. the pace and the standard that he sets with Remy is beyond belief. So, you yeah. know, I, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I, I, I rate Ralph so highly. I think... Like I say, he uses it to his advantage now, and Aston, as we'll get onto, we've seen it. So yeah. And real quick, our uh, Great Britain US watch Lowe's finished fifth. Uh, Cameron Bobier finished tenth. Dixon finished twenty first. Hmm. He had an incident. <laughs> Joe Roberts crash. Yeah. Jake had a bit of an incident where I think it was was it Augusto or was it Vieje or something like that. I think he like went around the outside of. Jake. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it was Augusto, wasn't it? I think I think was it Augusto, Augusto Fernandez. I think it was. He went around the outside of him or something, and then he he sat all. Yeah, they were, they were both the wide, trap. didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, um, tough for Jake because I, I think again, I think we keep saying it, but I, I get very similar vibes off Jake as I do Joe Roberts in that he just needs that result. He needs that result to kick him on. I think when we saw Jake at Le Mans last year, when he knew he could run at the front, he just looked so confident from then on. Is and it that wrist injury that's... I get That's what I mean. He broke his wrist towards the end of the last year. He's got back on the bike. He's slowly catching up with everybody. And all of a sudden, results aren't mm. really coming to him. So with, with Jake, if he knows within himself, he, can, he has that confidence to run at mm. the front. Like Joe Roberts, we saw it before, ironically, at Le Mans, when he put it on pole. Looked brilliant, came through the pack, could have won if he did not start from pit lane. But since this whole contract thing with Aprilia and changing team, J 
Joe's just lost a lot of confidence. And now you've seen a different Joe Roberts that's a little bit like a Rins kind of. Yeah. Follow, that chase <laughs> Don't you do that. No, Don't no, do that. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's constantly chasing to catch up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's chasing he's that result. He's, he's pushing out of his boundaries when really, if they have that confidence, they're different riders. So, yeah, in terms of our US UK watch, I think Jake and Joe fall under that exact category. But having said that, P10, I think for Cameron, is a brilliant result. Really good result. Solid. Yeah, when I saw that result, I. Yeah, I was pissed that uh, Joe crashed out, but to see how Cam's come along, you know, and as a rookie also. Yeah, and a track is, I mean, he's not rode it since 125s in 2010, 9, something like that. So. Yeah. But moving on to the big show, uh, for MotoGP, I'm sure everyone knows, Mark Marquez won at Saxering like he always does. Uh, followed by Miguel Oliveira and Fabio Quattrara. Um, I mean, this was all Mark. Uh, I pulled up the lap chart. He took the lead. He started fifth. He was in the lead at, at the end of the first lap and never gave it up. Yeah. And it, it was one of those things when he took the lead, you're like, you. It, it's kind of like if Lewis Hamilton gets the lead and through turn one, you're like, oh, we're done. Have fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If Mark Marquez is in the lead at the end of lap one at the Saxon, he'd go, bye, I'm done. Yeah, I, you saw a lace try and pop out, pop back at him, which gave it mean, a good fair play. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. credit to Aleish on that bike, having a go at Marquez around Saxon ring. Nobody else was willing to, so, you know. All, he stayed all in credit. second up until lap nine. Yeah, all credit to Aleish. And then it was just a case of Mark went, no, no, like, come on, hang on a minute. Like, he put like three or four tenths on him, and then I think... You just saw the body language of a lace rather than coming out of corners thinking, get him on a straight and, you know, send it into a corner. He was like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it was just like, it's marked because they all know, they all know that if, again, like what we've just been talking about, if you want to beat Mark around the Saxon ring, you need to ride out of your limits and hope you don't crash. Simple as. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. The guy, if you could make a track for Marquez, that'd be the track. It literally yeah. would be. It, every corner is just perfect for him. Even like that second right-hander where it's that really slow, what is it, turn one, two, probably turn four you class it as, where Ralph Fernandez crashed. It's that really slow right-hander. But Mark, Mark's ability to hang off the bike where he'll send it in and then he'll, he'll point the bike. Yeah, it might be turn three or turn four, whatever you might class it as. But he, he, he gets so far off the bike and then just squirts the bike out the corner. And you're just like, the guy's injured, supposedly, and he still yeah. looks unreal. He's recovering. Like, yeah, like Jack Miller said it. He was like, the guy's got one arm and he still beats. Mm-hmm. You can he's, tell. He's right. They know that he's that good. You can tell it's his track by, I mean, was it lap seven when the, the kind of, did it start to rain slightly in lap seven? Yeah. Um, and he, he just literally, yeah. he, he just, Pulled away. He just literally gave it hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, I mean, for a guy with one arm to turn around, yeah, for a guy with one arm to turn around and say, "When I saw it raining, when it started raining, I said to myself, this is mine." Like to 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 have that confidence within yourself when you go, "This could be mine," but in the same breath, if I think it's mine too too much, 
I might re-injure my right arm. But no, mm. like there's none of that. After that doesn't even come into the process of Mark's head. It's just no, this is mine. Like because I'm just mad on it. Yeah, it, it, unreal. On honestly, like fair, like fair play to him. Full credit to Mark. Unbelievable comeback. There's some people saying, you know, well, it's Saxon ring, so it doesn't mean anything. The guy's still got to win. You can't just sit there and say, oh, well, the track's made for him. It's like, well, yeah. There's other tracks made for him, but the guy's literally had a full season out and nearly lost his right arm through racing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't get why certain people are playing it down. The guy's still won. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't get the whole discrediting side of things. I don't know what you two think of it, but people who discredit him for it, I don't think they've got any respect for what he's actually been through. Personally, no, I think it. I don't know. I think certain people seem to have a hatred. For Mark and the way he's kind of, you know, his riding style and how he's gone about things in the last, you know, since he started in F in MotoGP, um, and due to that, no matter what, no matter what he goes through, or what he achieves, they will always find some way to discredit, to discredit. Yeah. I, I don't. Which I, is a shame. It is a shame. I think it's more bitterness of stealing other people's thunder. I think mm. that's what it is more. So I don't think. Deep down, they hate Mark. I think it's more a case of you're taking the limelight away from somebody I want the limelight to be on, which, yeah. as I always say, I am the furthest thing on earth from a Honda fan. But my God, would I, I, I rue the day that I would ever slag and slate somebody off for coming through mm. what he's come through and done what he's done. I just don't get it at all. I don't, I don't understand it. But yeah, fair play to Mark. And also on the Saxon ring, before we jump straight to Assen, I did say it'd be a strong weekend for KTM, and it really was a strong weekend. For yeah. So considering where they were last time, they went to, to um, Saxon Ring P two and P four. That that for KTM, I'm sorry, that is a brilliant, brilliant result. Well, and I even I even sent this in our group chat. Like, there was a second, like the gap from Mark to uh, Miguel was one point six, from Miguel to Fabio was 6.7 seconds. Yeah. Like, this wasn't just, like... Because, yeah, they were trying to build up the whole Marquez, or Oliver catching Marquez thing. They both ran away from the pack. If it wasn't... Like, if, if you take Mark out of this, Miguel has still has a six-second gap yeah. to the rest of the field. Like, this wasn't just, like, oh, yeah, they're, you know, Mark's dominating. Like, this is, like, they're... Do like, they're kicking the shit out of the rest of the pack. Yeah, because even even Miguel said he was high. I think he said something along the lines of today I rode, you know, unbelievably great. But so did Mark. He was like, mm. you know, it was as simple as that. I could have I couldn't have given any better of a race. But Mark was exactly the same. So, yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. And again, Miguel's got that that smart head on, you know, good shoulders or whatever the, the saying is. He's got, you know, he, he understands what that is. You know what what it means and how it all works. So, yeah, uh, for for Miguel, great result. And um, another thing, I'm not sure if you saw this, but Brad Binder on laps 12, 13, and 14 of the Saxon Rank GP put in three to the thousandth of a second, exact same lap time, every lap, uh, three laps in a row. That's he crazy, put in one twenty two point two six eight, one twenty two point two six eight, one twenty two point two six eight. That is, I don't, if for anybody listening to understand, I don't think 
you can't just you can't go out you can't be like mark i want you to go out i don't care what the lap time is it can be slow i want you to go exactly do you know you can't do you can't ask for that that was three of those in a row it was literally you could tell he was just in autopilot you know for them three laps at least it's just in the zone just muscle memory getting around those corners but that is that is literally like the the second that's i can't get over it that's yeah, you that's know a thousandth of a second's quicker than a blink of an eye. Mm. Like, you can't even see a thousandth of a second. That's that's how insane that is. Unbelievable. I just saw it and I was like, nah, it can't be right. And then I looked at the mm. timing sheets. <laughs> I actually had to like, you know, go out my own way to check it again to make sure that I wasn't like absolutely baffled on what it was, but it was true. It was absolutely true. What's this extent as Matt? So it's something for uh when we what we talk about next. Well, we can get on to Aston now. If you like. I mean, uh, quickly, yeah. do you want to do Ride of the Day for Saxon Ring, if you remember? I don't know if you remember any of it, but do you want to just quickly fly through them? Uh, I mean, I could do mine. You're going to do all three categories, or we just want to do MotoGP? Um, you do MotoGP, if you like. I don't mind. All right, so... Uh, I, I picked Fabio, because I was like, is the only in line four to be even within the breath? <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, he was the only inline four, to be fair, that actually got the bite anywhere close yeah. to a good result. Um, and it is known for being a, a more V4 suit, not necessarily for a Ducati, but Honda and what. It's not a Yamaha track. Um, and yeah, I just thought solid result, really. And as well for the championship, somebody like Fabio could easily try and push to stay with Miguel and, and Mark, but he knew it wasn't on the cards. He just brought it home. Solid P3, you know, for championship sake i think that's as best he could have asked for so my pick would be fabio oh sure you got um oh it's a tough one i think bang i'll go with peko bangaya i think to finish fifth yeah where did he start um he started quite far down didn't he he started in 10th but i think he got mobbed near the beginning so he fell back even further. I'm sure he fell down to, I want to say he was 16th in that area at one point. I'll double check and for you because I, I believe I've seen the same thing where he, he did drop right down, but I can't remember. He was, was 14th at the end of the first lap. Yeah. He was P16 15th, at his lowest. 16th. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, wow. and then obviously he's just fought his way back up. And to finish fifth around a track that really is not at all. I you think can't overtake well that well, can you? Really, you can't. You know, it's not. It's not like you've got nine, ten corners on that track mm. that you can overtake. So yeah, for me, I'd go with Pekka. Strong, strong performance. I'm gonna break our rule. I'm taking Mark. I don't <laughs> care. I he, thought he's gonna go with Binder, one of y'all lot. I, your I, I was gonna. Oh Miguel. I was gonna yeah. take yeah. Miguel for gapping. You know, putting a six point seven second gap, but. This Mark went out and he beat the field with one hand tied behind his back. <laughs> it's basically what it's like. He's his right arm has a titanium rod in it, and he still went out and beat. He, he had a second over like an eight second gap to Fabio. <laughs> if Miguel's not there, he. You, you don't even see the rest of the field when Mark crosses the start-finish line. Yeah. Like, 
it's Mark, and then eventually the rest of the field comes up okay. if it's, if Miguel's not there. So I, I get I have to give it to Mark. Yeah, I mean, you say you don't want to break the rule, but Josh breaks that rule every <laughs> every week. Yeah, yeah I mean, Josh, Matt, every you, week you... goes. Well, I'm not going to break the rule, but I think I might have to pick, and it's every class every week. Josh just yeah, goes. I'm, I can't be asked. I probably will do it. I'll probably do it with Aston as well at some point <laughs> out of the three. But usually, Matt, you go someone who's crashed. So I yeah, thought you would have gone with. Petruccio Marquez after that weird incident yeah. they had, which no one knows. The other Marquez. <laughs> yeah, as good as um, the picks are, I was really, really hoping without having to prompt it and mention it myself, I thought Josh was going to go, he didn't crash, Alex yeah. Renz. <laughs> you know I mean? I was, yeah. It was, it was lined have. up for him. It was lined have. up for Josh. He I, stayed I really on should. the bike. Yeah. He didn't do a Renz, so... Yeah, Doing a Renz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, moving on, we're going to hop into Assen. Uh, so I sent you guys a picture in the uh, our group chat. I MotoGP has the greatest graphics ever. Like you see F1 with these AWS graphics, and like the AWS tire graphic in F1 is complete and total dog shit. It's <laughs> so inaccurate, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a but I was what... that's all it is. Yeah, that's literally it's like yeah. here's your five seconds of fame. It, it's off. like IndyCar territory now. With the whole right. Here's, here's the tire deck sponsored by AWS. But, yeah. Like some of their graphics are actually like F1 are really interesting and can tell you stuff. But this stuff where it's like, oh, tire performance. Oh, the the chase. You know, like yeah. today's race, they had they were showing when will Perez catch Botas. It's like this is there's so much other shit could go wrong in this race <laughs> and just completely screw this graphic up. But I was watching the Moto E race, and they brought up a graphic that showed live tire temperatures for the bikes in Moto E. And it, like, I had to, like, shake for it. I'm like, what is this? This is, and it's live, like, when they're in a right corner, the right side of the tire just spikes up to almost 140 degrees Celsius. And then, as, like, you could watch as the camera would transition. Like the bike would go to the left, the tire temperatures changed with it. That's yeah, good. it feels like when, something from the game, really. Yeah. yeah, but it it was just so cool to see, and it's like, you know, it, back going back to Magello, there was all this stuff about like uh, F one personalities being there. Um, I forget the name of the new F one president, the old Ferrari oh. manager. I know you mean. I know you mm. mean. I can't think of his name. But is it Domenicali or whatever his name is? That's it. Yeah. yeah. He was he was at Magello to see the MotoGP race. Toto Wolf was there. Uh, I think they had, like, Mark Weber was there. But it's like, <laughs> the only thought I had when I saw, like, all this promotional stuff about F1 going to a MotoGP race, like, are they going to take the graphics department? <laughs> <laughs> Can F1 graphics finally be good? But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Moto E race, you had Granado in first, Taurus and Zaccone. Nobody crashed. It was seven laps. Uh, the only big, there was a big input. Uh, who was it? Oh, God, I hate saying his name. If they, if they bring those graphics to, to GP, that'd be amazing. Like, can you imagine like mm -hmm. going into like the last couple of laps and thinking, how bad are his tires? And if they were both like either side of the, the tire was just absolutely roaring hard you'd be like ah oh, you actually know yeah. but at the same time i kind of like not knowing in a way mm. 
Right, um, it had suspense. It had suspense, but in the same way, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it because if we then see it, that then means that the teams will see it. So teams if you were chasing it. somebody, it's going to turn into F1 where it's like team communication, his tyres are so warm or whatever, like his tyres are gone in front. Like, or, or or they might just like get Lewis Hamilton to do it for them and say that your tyres are gone, but yeah, actually your tyres aren't gone. And then put in like three yeah. fastest laps in a row. Yeah. So who knows? I don't know if I like it or not, but it's still a cool graphic for sure. It's definitely um, better than in the... Really, really inaccurate ones on F1. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So racing. Yeah, Moto E happened. So that's about all we can really say because it really the only implication was that uh, in 18th place and I in a girder. Uh, he's second in the championship. He got stood up in like the first lap. Agator and Agator, yeah. Uh, he got stood up in the first like first couple laps, dropped all the way back to the back of the field, and uh, yeah, so that changes the uh, championship points. But I mean, like I said, it was seven laps, nobody DNF'd, so meh. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I guess a few bits of news we could talk about. Oh uh, yeah, Ducati VR forty six. Yeah. Is it officially mm-hmm. official that they're going with Ducati next season? Yeah. So yep. I think I think that was kind of you know we knew it's that like, was coming. Yeah, it's like um, the worst hidden secret. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. definitely. Uh, I was kind of bummed because I was really hoping for like another Suzuki team, or yeah, I know what you mean. A, like and like, and you figure Rossi Yamaha. And it, during the press conference, Rossi they was asked about it. You know, why did you pick Ducati? And he said, in the end, it did come down to Ducati and Yamaha. Like those were going to be the only two. And the main reason they went with Ducati, not only because of the factory support they'll get, but also, well, and it's an Italian team. Mm. So you're going to have an Italian owner, an Italian team, uh, Italian riders, because most likely you're going to get Morini and Bezzecchi. That's who everyone's talking about going there and yeah. on Italian bikes. So, you know, and the whole VR46 Academy thing has always been about bringing up Italian riders. So it, it, it was pretty much written in stone or written in the clouds, you could say. Yeah. yeah. It also makes for great foundation in Moto2 because then you've got a team it's always nice to have a team in Moto2 that also have links or a team in Moto GP, like Patronus, where if you're in that squad and you perform, like what we're waiting for with Dixon, you're kind of, you know, there's that passage to say, perform here, and we have a team with our people, the same group, to take you straight to GP. You know, that you're their first pick. So if you perform in that Moto2 VR46 team, you know, there's no like relying on Yamaha or Ducati, Primark Ducati or KTM or anybody else to offer you a, t- a, a, a role, the first port to call will be VR46, MotoGP, VR46, Moto2, that link mm. there. Um, so for foundation-wise, I think it's brilliant. But having said that, it's really weird because you've got all this... Like, Don't get me wrong, Rossi's got his fingers in so many different pies that it's ridiculous. But 
it makes me question what will happen with VR forty six because VR forty six has a lot of like camps and different masters groups and stuff like that through academies and whatnot in so many different like teams. So their their Moto three team in the CEV uh, CIV sorry is a KTM team. He's got uh, an Indonesian and like Eastern Asian kind of like camp that's on r3s and r125s i believe so yamaha he races for yamaha he's got a team in ducati next year so it's like i think a lot of it comes down to like cross paths with rossi racing there next year and whatnot like whether he can or he can't because you know obviously if you have academies in different teams they don't want to like look up and be like okay this is the right team to be in but why are you on a different bike do you know what i mean like so it's kind of weird that he's got fingers in so many different pies, but at the same time, it's Rossi. So if anyone can do it, it's Rossi. So um, yeah, I just thought that'd be an important uh, an important point to bring up because it's it, it, I didn't like like Matt said, I kind of wanted it to be Yamaha or Suzuki, just because it would have been cool to see another Suzuki team. Because I think Suzuki have just done wonderful really in the last few years. I think they've just done really well. Yeah. Um, and there's four Ducati teams now the next year. So you've got Pramac, Factory, Grassini, which is also another thing that's happened since we last recorded, and VR46 because the Avintia team or a sponsor arm or whatever you want to call it team is now basically being passed over to VR46. Um, and obviously we've got Digi in the class, another Italian, with Bastianini racing for them next year. Thoughts? Um, Digi and Bastianini... Yeah, it'll be interesting. I guess Digi did say for a while now he's been in talks with getting a MotoGP ride, so it was it was on the horizon. You know, we all knew it was coming. Um, a bit surprised, I guess, because um, so that's for the Grassini team, isn't it? Um, yeah. Did you? So not surprised on Digi front because I guess he's with his links to Grassini, but. Um, Bastianini, that was a bit of a surprise for me, grabbing yeah, Bastianini. Yeah, he's he's always what? been really close with the Grassini family. I mean, Digi mm. and Bastianini used to be teammates in Grassini's Moto3 team, so they, you know, they are they are really well intertwined mm. with Grassini and whatnot. Um, and to be fair, for me, if there's if there's one of the riders that's come up to GP this year that I've thought, you know, they've impressed me, I, I, I think Bastianini's done really well. On an old Ducati and whatnot, when you've got people like Jorge Martin on 2021 Ducatis, you've got mm. you know, different riders knocking around the class that are supposedly, you know, miles in front of, in terms of development of bikes. So you've got so many 2021 Ducatis and then you've got Bastianini on an old Ducati. You know, we sniffed around like the top 10 and whatnot and the, the competitiveness in the field at the minute is insane. It's like what Marquez was saying in the 2013, 2014, if he had an off day, there was only two teams that were at the top. It was Yamaha and it was Honda. That was it. It was Pedroza, Marquez, Rossi, Lorenzo. That was that was it. So back then, when you did bad, you'd go from P1 to P4. Whereas now, everyone's got a factory bike. There's yep. all these factory teams right at the top. You've got B teams on factory team uh, factory bikes. So that now, if you have an off day, you're P14, 15, scraping around for a point. So to say that that's what the, the situation Bastianini is in on an uncom- uncompetitive bike compared to the other people, I think he's been doing absolutely brilliant, to be honest. But if he goes to Grassini, does that put him in the greatest position? I mean, it's the only position he can really be in, but is that 
I don't know. Is that good for his future? Is it is it going to put him in a good stead for maybe a Pramac ride in the future? But again, I can't see any space further up the ladder in Ducati. I don't know if any of you can. You, you can, sorry. But you've got Bagnaia and Miller that look pretty set for factory. Mm-hmm. You've got Zarco who, if there's anybody going to go to factory other than Miller and Bagnaia, it will be Zarco, I would assume. And you've got an impressive looking Jorge Martin who looks as comfy as anything in Pramac. So if you're Bastianini, where do you look as in for long term? Mm, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I guess while we're on the subject of kind of market movements, the, uh, the news about Vinales was a bit of a shock. I know that mm. in the group chat, Bunner, you were saying it's you almost, I don't want to say in denial, but you don't believe there's much weight to it. Or you didn't I don't believe, yeah. I think because it's such a, no disrespect to Aprilia, it's not like a sideways move. Let's call a spade a spade, as we like to say. Um, it's it, it's backwards. I, I don't think that's out of disrespect saying that. Like, you know, money-wise, performance-wise, facility-wise, everything, everything, Aprilia are behind Yamaha. That's that's is what it is. And when I first saw it, it was just a case of, like I said, in that Ducati have got no seats available. They have, they've got Bagnaia, but we already know, like I've just said, that's Zarco or Bagnaia's. You've got Honda, they're set. Suzuki, they're set. Yamaha, that's the team he's in. And then you've got KTM, who look to be set. And Aprilia have got mm-hmm. this ghost seat that no one knows who's going there. <laughs> and it's just a case of if someone does bad or someone's moving anywhere, it's straight away. At the minute, I think it's fair to say this season, it's just been like Aprilia. You've got Joe Roberts going to Aprilia. You've got Bastianini going to Aprilia. You've got Dovi going to Aprilia. You've got Rossi being put forward to Aprilia at one point. You've, you know, you've got all these riders that are just like Aprilia, 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 Aprilia. But now, in the last few hours and whatnot, it's been said that, well, Sky Italia have basically come out and said that within the next 24 hours, there'll be a press release to confirm the termination of the contract to Vignoles. How true that is, I don't know. But you you tell me what you think, but Vinales to Aprilia, I just don't understand it. Like whether it's getting in a better team, like a better team for his head, I don't know. But surely, if your frustration comes from lack of respect or results, then why would you go to the least competitive factory team? You know, like, um, it's, not, it's not going to Suzuki. Do you know what I mean? That that to me would be a step to the side to think maybe they can then go in front. But I, I don't see a world that exists that Aprilia performs, outperforms Yamaha. Never in a million years. Um, yeah, I was thinking earlier that Vinales, you know, leaving Yamaha, if he was going to, or if he is, where else could he go? If you look at the the kind of the, the grid, I mean, Ducati is never going to go there. There's no space for him. Um, Honda. Mm, there's no space for him at Honda, really. I th- he's never going to go to a satellite team, Vinales no. being who he is. He no. would never do that. So the only kind of plausible place for him to go would be the Suzuki, who seem to be happy with Mir and Rins. Maybe not too happy with Rins, but they still seem to be ha- keeping the faith with him for now. It's so hard for you to say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. Well, it's... it's... I know, but he's on, on, a, on that uh, point, though, Josh, just quickly, I don't mean to cut across you, but on that point, 
I do think, and this is a bold thing to say, and I know it's an if, but maybe, and it's hypothetical, so it'll never happen because it, it can't. But if David Abrivio, the former team leader, team manager, whatever, of Suzuki, who now works for Alpine, was still at Suzuki, massive admirer of, Ma- of Maverick Vinales, the guy that brought him from Moto2 very early on and put him in that seat and put a lot of mm. faith into him and tried everything he could to hold on to him before going to Yamaha, I think he'd have him back like that. I think he'd, I think honestly, if he knew that that was on the cards and there was any way of moving Rins, maybe, maybe Rins out for Maverick, I genuinely think he would. I really yeah. do think he would. And I think Maverick might think, you know, past relationship with Suzuki, maybe. But obviously that's not on the cards because luckily for Rins, he signed a contract before this season started. Now, I think we all know sitting here, if Rind wouldn't have signed that contract and would have been like, we'll negotiate it in the summer break, I'm pretty sure if I was Suzuki, I would take a Maverick Vinales over a current Rins. I think yeah. I think I'd take a lot of people over a current Rins. And that's not disrespecting yeah. Rins, but you're only as good as your last one, aren't you? You're only as good as you know, it on paper, <laughs> Rins this year is not exactly sparking fireworks, is he? So I don't know. Very hypothetical, but Maybe that's what he's looking for. Maybe it's like do a year or so on an Aprilia, if he goes to Aprilia, to then maybe get more interest from another team when a gap opens up. Possibly. It's a tough one because we all thought it was a dead set that Dovi would end up on that other seat. (laughs) So So what's going on with Dovi? Is Is he eyeing up another seat? Is he being... Well, he can't, can he, really? I mean, the only seat he can eye up is Patronus. Yeah, exactly, but... Dovi, would Dovi go to Patronus? Yeah, it's all a bit confusing. Unless it's I, so in it, the air, it, isn't it? I this think is that's... so. You know, yeah, I know. What I mean, this is so left field. But unless Espargaro is going to announce he's retiring or something, I can't see that happening. Exactly, I can't. But it would be the only way from from both Dovi and Vinales to end up in Aprilia. I, for for I me, and I'm pretty sure Alicia's signed for another few years in the winter I could be wrong but I'm pretty sure he's signed mm. and like I don't know like and you said it earlier in the chat and it, it's a more than valid point in that um, would it be a case of Dovi's got on it and then been like well actually maybe not but for me Dovi had test rides with them before he became full time test rider for that reason he he did that to say well, let's see if Dovi takes to it. Maybe he gets on it and goes, absolutely not. But he's took that test ride on as though to say, all right, let's see what I can get out of it, because I think I can, and then what looks to be slot into that second seat. Mm. But now all of a sudden it's like Maverick is going to Aprilia, and that makes us all go, but Dovi two weeks ago was def- like you know 95%, which is the quote that's being used for Vinales. It's 90 95% that that is where he's looking to go. Dovi to Aprilia. You know, that it everyone's been saying it. You know, we said I think we said it after Catalonia where we were saying, but can you imagine if there was Dovi and Aleish battling out for that, you know, top five position? It's what they need. And now we're on to 95, 90% Maverick. And like you say, I can't see Maverick going to a satellite team. And it's fair enough. He's in he's a factory rider of the one of, if not the biggest factories in on the grid. So to go to from that to a satellite team, what satellite teams are there? He's not going to go. He's not going to get terminated from Yamaha to go to Petronas. That's Yamaha. So that ain't happening. 
He's not going to Pramac because that's already booked, booked up and ready. Yep. He's not going to Tech. Th- mm, there is a Tech three seat free, but that's not happening, is it? Let's be honest. I don't. I don't understand. I re- honestly, I don't get it. Maybe it's Aprilia. Maybe Aprilia have been the ones who have, you know, we know what they like with their management of their riders. Maybe they've just suddenly been like, oh, hang on a minute. Vinyal isn't happy at Yamaha. Let's see if we can uh, tempt him away. Maybe, uh, yeah. maybe, maybe this is more of a, uh, I don't know, but obviously it's all hypothetical. Maybe Dovi was, was asking a bit much for a contract. And maybe they thought, well, let's reach out to Vinyal as scared, you know, scare Dovi a little bit. So that Dovi kind of bows bring down his price, yeah, bows down things. Oh, all right, I'll, I'll lower mean, my price. Maybe, a, yeah, it might be a good shout. But then, where does that leave Vinales? Yeah, exactly. He's just been used, but Vinales is not going to just. I, I mean, I've heard of more crazy things that, that have happened, but I don't see a world where Vinales just goes. I'm calling it a day, and just retires. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. I, I don't see it in him. I don't. I don't know. And and. I don't. For me, he's always been that rider to be like, you know, I'm I'm annoyed and everything, but like we we move on, we look at the positives. It's you know all within Yamaha, 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 Yamaha. So for all of a sudden, in the space of two days, to go from that to he's gone. I, I mean, to be fair, it seemed a little bit bizarre. We'll get onto it and we do the results and whatnot, but it seemed a bit bizarre, not bizarre, but it, it had a bit of a twang to it when I watched the post race. Uh, interview with Fabio and he said something along the lines of it was nice to see in that Maverick got one over me in Saturday but it's ba- but what he was saying was is it's Sunday the points on Sunday that count almost like you know he's had his moment but it's me that takes the Sunday sort of thing you know what I mean kind of yeah. asserting his dominance in like, that in that sly team. thing like I'm the one and it, it gave me a little bit Lorenzo Rossi kind of throwback vibes in that like it was like you know just those sly dig I mean if you were Vinales and you're watching that you'd be like all right you know what I mean and mm. I don't know I'm not sure it's a it, really really weird one and I think it it's going to be the typical red sector jinx in that Definitely. we record this and tomorrow, tomorrow morning it's going to get morning. announced. It's, it's going to come out in Monday. Conference. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's get but, I mean, the knock-on effects, if that is the case, you'll have a factory Yamaha spot free, and then you'll have... Who takes that? Who takes I, that? I mean, everyone says Morbidelli, but I'm sorry, I love Morbidelli, but Morbidelli has not done enough for me this season. Yes, you can speak about mm. last season, but this season, Morbidelli has not done enough for me to be like, absolutely 100%. You've got a Raul Fernandez sitting there in Moto2 yeah. that is knocking it out the park as a rookie in Moto2. And if you hit the ground running in Moto2, it's a known fact that you are made for GP. Look at Rins, look at Maverick Vinales, look at Marquez, look at all those riders that have come through and gone straight away, hit the ground running. They've gone on to do whatever it is. They've gone on to be brilliant riders in GP. Yes, Josh, Rins is not doing fantastic but he's still a great rider. But my point being, Fernandez is not going to come to GP and all of a sudden be like, hang on, I thought we had a good rider and he's, he's floating around dead last, is he? You know, mm. he's not. that's not going to happen. He, the guy's massively, massively quick. But then we have another knock-on effect. If they sign Fernandez in factory Yamaha, let's just say, Morbidelli's going to say, right, I'm done. Well then, I'm, I'm off. 
he could then go yeah. to VR46 Ducati, which then leaves two seats free in Petronas Yamaha. Yeah. Because let's face it, I mean, you know, touching on the, the MotoGP race, I think he's, I think Rossi's done. I think he's, this is his last season. On a, on a Petronas Yamaha, he may uh, yeah, on a ride for Yamaha, his own yeah. bike. But this yeah, is his, I, yeah. I think, 100% last season for Petronas. That leaves. And if Vinales leaves and Frankie either moves up or decides to leave, you've got two seats free. Yeah, either way, you've got two seats free in yeah. Petronas Yamaha. And but that is massive. I'm going to throw some out there. I'm going oh, to throw God. some out there, which quite, again, left field. But Are you going to say, like, Dennis Foggy is taking the Petronas seat or something, like, out there? <laughs> yeah. No, that, not for Petronas, but I think maybe Factory. They might even go for Oliveira. I mean... Oh, don't. He's don't. not That'd be amazing. That he's would not, be amazing. He got asked, didn't he? He got asked about contract talks, and he just basically said, no, we're not. Matt, there's no contract talks. Matt, let me tell you now, if Oliveira comes to Yamaha, I will never, ever let you live that down, ever. <laughs> well, ever. Isn't he, he has a contract next year. Yeah, but so does Maverick. <laughs> that means nothing in this paddock. Yeah, Matt, if, Maver- if you're going to learn one thing about GP, contract means nothing unless it's got more than one year on it. And even then, you're pushing it. You're pushing it. Oh, my Is Josh, that- you have made my... <laughs> if that happened, that would be... The I mean, best news it, in the world. It's it's plausible, but then you you wonder where Fernandez would fit in because again, because musical like, chairs. Yeah. Like we were saying, though, if you're Miguel Oliveira, I'm sorry, I'd be massively peeved off. Mm. Binder's been given a huge contract for. Let's be honest, not doing anything that Oliveira's not been doing, other than yeah. one result at Portimao, and I believe he got it before then or even after then. It wasn't like, oh yeah, that deserves three, four years or whatever it was. Oliveira has won on the bike. He's got it on the podium more than once, and yet he's still sitting there going, no contract. So that's either because he's sitting there saying, hold on, if there's another option there, I might want to take it, or B, he's sitting there saying, well, considering you've snubbed me for Binder first, I want more. And KTM might be turning around saying, well, we don't want to give you more. Or it could be the fact they might sign tomorrow morning. Who knows? It's crazy. But someone will end up being snubbed out of all this. Because yeah, let's say that in that, will. in that theory, if Oliveira goes, you've got a seat free at KTM. Now, KTM might say, Fernandez, do you want it? And if that's the case, then you're Remy Gardner going, hang on a minute. Yeah, and then Remy Gardner's going to say, hang on, I'm leading the championship. How deep down this rabbit hole are we going to No, no, no. Saying that, saying that, Josh, Binder was signed for Tech 3, and then he got... Before he even rode the Tech 3, he got promoted to KTM. Mm. So that, that could happen. They could say, Raul, do you want Tech 3? But then if there's still a seat open at Petronas, yep. Raul might say competitiveness of a Tech 3 KTM and a Petronas Yamaha. And if it's, if it's Rossi's side of the garage, that's a 2022 what will be Yamaha sitting there or a year-old KTM, which, as we know, a year-old KTM or an updated Yamaha, which one are you going to pick? Yeah. You know. Let, let's not. Let's not the kill silly season has begun. Because... I could sit here for hours and come up with <laughs> yeah. so many different solutions for it. Oliveira with... to Yamaha is making me want to get giddy. That we started brilliant. with Vinales to Aprilia. <laughs> yeah, we started with <laughs> Vinales to Aprilia, and somehow now we're going like <laughs> Pedro Acosta straight to factory game. <laughs> How did we do this? I reckon. I reckon we see a comeback from Loris Caparossi and he takes the yeah. whole lot and he, he comes, he, he comes um, into factory ammo. Well, 
<laughs> wrong side of the the kind of racing world. But Mika Hakkinen went on a sabbatical and never never officially retired. So maybe they're gonna True. get him on a bike. <laughs> True. Yeah. I mean, wow. yeah. I, I mean, I know we've we've kind of delved right into a rabbit hole, but it is so far from thinking. Oh, that's ridiculous. It's not at all. It's just not ridiculous in the slightest because, I mean, I know Oliver is quick on a Yamaha. He rode around on a Yamaha in Portimao in a Portuguese Championship Thousand Supersport race, I think it was, on a debadged R1 and wiped the floor with them by about 30 seconds. He just, he, he literally was like, I'm free one weekend, I'll race. And absolutely blitz the field on a, you know, races a KTM every week. And then he just jumped on an R1 and blitz the whole field. And that made me just go, ah, if only. And now Josh is going, Oliveira, Yamaha. And I'm going, yeah, I quite like the sound of that. that oh, Josh, it, well, that'd be unreal. It, it, that'd be unreal. It could be a scenario. I mean, it could, either that or Frankie. I mean, I still think Frankie's the obvious choice, but. I want, I want Miguel. <laughs> like Miguel, Miguel has shown that if you give him the tools, he'll, he'll do work. The job. Yeah, and he's, and, and he's smooth as butter. He's absolutely mm. smooth as butter, Miguel. And not he's, he's smooth, but he's he's fast. I'm sorry, anyone sitting here now, at the two of you, can sit there and think if there was a team with Fabio and Miguel in it, you'd be worried. You you would be worried yeah. if you were. You looking know what? For it, it's making it's making sense. Miguel to Yamaha factory team. Frankie to, is it VR? Is there a seat in VR forty six? I mean, technically, there's, no, there's nobody signed. Yeah, yeah. So technically, the, and, you know, bloody Laquona could could be on that next year. You know I, I mean, mean, it could um, be anyone. Rossi, I think I, I saw an article where it's he said it's unlikely he'd race for his team next season. Yeah. Which I think either hints that he's staying at Petronas or that he's just going to fully retire. Yeah, that's, um, that's a whole other thing in itself. But it, yeah, definitely. I, well, he got he got asked that in the uh, press conference on Thursday if a seat on his team is an option for him. He said it's always an option because I he basically said I haven't decided what I'm doing yet. I'm going to take the summer, figure out what I want to do, and then go from there. So, can we get it trending on Twitter? Like, not trending on Twitter, but can we get it trending within the MotoGP community that Miguel Oliveira is basically in talks with Yamaha, just so that I can <laughs> feel like there's more weight to it than what there actually is. Because I don't know, I, I I'd love to hear what people think of that being a possibility. That for me would just be so sick. I th- I think it's a high possibility, definitely. If you look at who else would fit that, who would be able to jump on that factory Yamaha bike? I think it's just, not you've got, many. You've got to have, yeah, you've got to have characteristics, haven't you, to be on that? Mm. And for me, the three candidates are Fernandez, Morbidelli, Oliveira. I didn't, mm. you know, before recording tonight. Oliveira wasn't even in my mind. Now you've said mm. it, he's, he's signing for me. He, he's he's already there. Sense. It makes sense. Him and Lynn Jarvis have got a photo, shaking hands, they've already signed. <laughs> it's a done deal. <laughs> what a battle that would be next year. Oliveira and Quartararo. Jeez. Oh, they, they, like Matt says, this has all come from just going, Maverick might be going to Aprilia. And yeah. now we're like, but Oliveira then... to Yamaha, Oliveira to Yamaha. But then KTM, who, like I said, who, who would they put in that seat? That would be a nightmare for them. Absolute nightmare. It's going to be Lando Norris. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, to be fair, you know if you know if Mark had not signed yeah, a big contract, Alex KTM, have, <laughs> KTM have always wanted to sign, well, not always, but they've, they've always, if it's going to be one team he'll go to, it's going to be the Ducati 
or more than likely KTM because of the Red Bull link for Marquez. But obviously that's not going to happen because he's signed to a big contract with Honda. But mm-hmm. but who would fit that slot? Would it be Remy? I don't I don't know. Would it be Remy or not? I'm trying to think of other people that would fit that that slot. Could be Vinales. Yeah. Could be. Could be. Could be Vinales. Could be a straight swap. It could be a straight swap. I I really don't know if they'd want to rock the boat with Gardner and Fernandez. Do you know as in mm. having one in a better team than the other at the moment? Yeah. I feel like they're both destined for tech three. And I don't know, you know. I, I, I think know. I think there's a possibility of Fernandez going to Patronus, but I feel like Patronus are also holding what on about... for Dixon, aren't they? <laughs> it's another crazy one. What about for a season? You know, oh, they're God. just they're just bang on for a season. Pedrosa, they're bringing back for a season. I've already thought it. I've already, I've already thought <laughs> it. I don't think it'll happen, but imagine. I'm just like, yeah, Danny, if you fancy it, mate, just just get your on KTM. Just have a run around for it if you like. <laughs> Dobby's a Red Bull athlete. He's got Red Bull link and, you know, it could happen. Ow. No, monster. <laughs> he's a massive monster link. Isn't it? That's why he didn't take the Ooh, Red yeah, Bull. Uh, yeah. the, he didn't take the Honda seat when Marquez injured himself purely because he's got the massive monster link and he didn't want to lose his, his monster thing. Mm. So, yeah, they, he stayed with that. And other previous substitution races as well but oh, i'll tell you what that that miguel if I'm, I'm not you know but if miguel was to move out of ktm that sparks such a domino effect because of remy because of raul because of other people that are maybe looking for other places to move to like your vinales and your dovies that are looking for you know teams to come back into and you've got you know you've got so many different people that are just going to be moving about you've got morbidelli that's always said I want factory uh, factory support. Yeah, you know, I just that, think... that's, that's another option. It's got such a domino yeah. effect. KTM a proper f themselves with the Brad Binder deal. Like, yeah. I, I know we're, we're probably getting on a tangent here about it, but they've just created problems for how long Brad Binder's got that deal for. No, no, I totally agree. You know, when you said it like two weeks ago, I think I, I, I remember being in agreement with you. Like, yeah, I can definitely see why that would, mm-hmm. in the future, that would definitely end up screwing themselves. Because I think he signed it before Magello, didn't he? And then mm-hmm. Miguel got that, that result. And we were like, huh, Miguel's just got the podium. Why has he not got one? And then Miguel went, huh, actually, I think you'll find a week later, I'll go and win in Barcelona. And we <laughs> were like, well, <laughs> then he really needs to sign. But again, there's been nothing of that. This summer break's going to be huge. Yeah, this summer break is going to be it's absolutely be a lot of massive, and even if there's no announcement, trust me, there will be so much behind the scenes going on with people going here, people going there. It's just going to spark so much interest, and like I've said, it's going to be a domino effect. You know, if Miguel turns around and comes out and says, even if there's no official move for what he's going to do next, if he came out and said, "I'm not renewing with KTM," oh my god, that god, is the biggest yeah. news. You could get. It'll be that meme off the office. To know that, oh my god, it's happening. Yeah. Oh my god, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> yeah. What's that the procedure? Is, yeah, that'll literally be what it's be, what it'd be like. Because then you've got Vinales going, "Hang on, Aprilia, KTM's free." Mm. And then you've got so many other people like, "Well, Remy, KTM's free. Do you want the promotion?" And not 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 necessarily that it'll be on the table, but it'll be saying, you know, if you want me that bad, then put me up to KTM factory team. And then Raúl will be saying. Well, hang on a minute. Mm, <laughs> if you want me, on. you know, tech free. So 
I don't know. I think Matt's absolutely phased out of this whole conversation. Yeah. But um, yeah, like, basically, what we're saying point, is is Pedro Costa's going to race for Kawasaki in MotoGP next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need to move on before Top Rack starts coming into this conversation. Yeah. Another one. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't. Stop. Right. Um, anyway, so yeah, um, Acosta P4 from Hospital Bed thoughts because I mean I, I I could sit here and talk about it for ages, but I just think that's the rider of the day already for me. That's in unreal. Okay. I mean, yeah, for him him to start 18th, he was down to 20th at the end of the first first lap and just slowly picked up places and it was like it's not like he picked up like one place here and there like lap one he's 20th lap two he's up to 15th lap four he's up to 13th like he picked off riders every lap yeah he he just looked like Acosta, he just looked aggressive, and it was like measured aggressiveness, if, if you like. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was, it was really controlled, but at the same time, picked off the riders when he needed to pick them off. But you had Foggia setting an unreal pace, even like eight laps to go. Foggia tried to split them all out, and you had Garcia, who's looked quick all weekend. Fanati, I mean, that's a great result as well, considering he had a double long lap penalty. Fanati, yeah, and he he dropped right the way back, and fair play to him. I mean, you know, Fanati has has his critics, and rightly so has his at times. But that's a result. Yeah, apologies uh, if this sounds really weird in the middle of the podcast. We're just having a massive technical issue with what we use to record. So carrying on, if we can, thoughts on the podium overall in Moto Three. Um, yeah, it, it was it was an exciting race. It, I, I wouldn't say it was a, a classic Moto Three race, but it was still all the same. Like it, it was exciting, and again, Acosta making it look pretty easy. I think at this point, I think Acosta could have probably he could probably won that, but he just thought he'd keep the championship a bit more interesting by letting Garcia finish ahead of him. But um, yeah, no, it was it, it was exciting. It was an exciting opener. Um, I noticed it. it it split off, so down to about 8th or ninth. there was that kind of grouping, as usually it happens in Moto3. Um, but what I like about that is literally, out of that kind of nine that split off at the front, any one of those could have won it, which is what, yeah. what what's brilliant about you know, Moto3. Um, but yeah, good, good result from, from Foggia, from all the top four, really. Um, and if... I don't know if we're doing Riders of the Day yet, but I'll just give mine anyway while I'm on there. But probably Suzuki. You know, Acosta. Yeah. Acosta, um, obviously it goes as I'm saying, really, Acosta these days. But I think Suzuki did well, started from 14th, I think, roughly. I've gone off the radar last year or so, yeah. Suzuki. Yeah, he's, it was quite a strong performance for him, this one. Because he didn't he didn't start, along with like Acosta, and I think McPhee, he didn't really start in that kind of front pack. Yeah. So to work his way up, and again, I know Moto Three is quite—it's easy to get up there, but it's also easy to find yourself back in the middle of the pack. So, yeah, I'd, I'd probably go with Suzuki for mine. Okay, well, I've done mine, so it's just up to you now, Matt. 
I'm going to give it to Fanati. I was debating between him and Bender, because Bender started eighth, was fighting for the podium, and then got sat up in the last last lap or second to last lap yeah. before dropping back down to eighth. But for Fanati to have to take a double long lap penalty and still finish on the podium, like... You 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 feel like if it hadn't been for the long lap penalty, he probably would have won. Yeah, mm. possibly. Yeah, um, just looked solid though, didn't he? But even when he, you know, I think I remember hearing the commentary team on BT saying, even after he came out of his second long lap, you know, he's still in the fight for for a podium and whatnot. And fair play to him because he ended up getting on it. So yeah, I, was, uh, I think they're all good picks. To be fair, he takes the lead at the end of lap one and two. Lap three, he finishes ninth. Four, he finishes seventh. Then drops back down to twelfth. Yeah. And then from there, worked his way back up. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, so Moto moving on to... No, it's Aki Io 2 now. <laughs> I, I, it's going to get hard to come up, keep coming up with these names, but... Uh, your podium, Carlos Fernandez, Remy Gardner, Augusto Fernandez. Uh, you know, like we said, talking about Saxon Ring, you know, Raul took what happened. It's almost like he took what happened in Germany. It was like, not going to happen again. I am going to win this next race. Yeah, and he, and he, he actually started yeah. getting duffed up at the start. I thought he was going to just keep on, not, mm-hmm. not keep on the yeah. back, but kind of stagnate in seven. Why did he drop to? I think he was about eighth or something. Oh, lowest. Whilst Matt looks for it, it was like Moto Two. It's very hard to overtake and kind of stay right behind somebody. It, it's not that kind of class. And he just started to pick riders off again. And I thought when he got back into the group of four, I was saying, you know, he's up there with Lowe's and Fernandez. Lowe's has looked quick. Raul's looked quick, but it looked like Raul and Sam Lowe's were the quickest two all weekend. So I was expecting Lowe's and Raul to kind of clear off themselves, and Remy kind of either stick with them or maybe settle for third. But Raul just picked them all. He, he went back, went all the way forwards, and then just you just never saw him again. He just clicked well. Mm. So he, he wasn't miles in front, but in Moto2, you know, respect, he just dominant. From, as soon as he went back, and then he started going, as soon as he went forward, sorry, from going back, that was it. He just went one after another, after another, after another. And then when he got up to the front, cleared off. So he started on pole, end of the first lap, he's in fourth, end of the second lap, he's in ninth. Yeah, wow. That's that's tough going in Moto2. If you drop to ninth that early on in Moto2, you usually get, if you get a podium from that, you've done amazingly well. Like Because by the time you drop, you usually get those couple of front runners that have cleared off, and it's already too much of a bridge, uh, too much of a gap to bridge. Um, so to come back so soon and get back up with that group before they cleared off and clear off yourself, that is that that just shows, Fernandez, you are definitely ready for GP. What seat? We Who knows? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, another shout-out, actually, but, but as we move on through different riders and whatnot, um, is Vietti. Vietti started in, I think you might want to double-check this, Matt, but I believe P27 and actually finished P10. Which again in Moto Two, that is that is really really good going. Um, 
And I just thought for a rookie as well, you know, obviously still still getting to grips with it. Ayagora, another rookie, looked really, really good. Looked amazing. Yeah, um, he did well. Good yeah, performance I, from him. So I think for Vietti, it was just, v- that's my ride of the day already out the way for me. Vietti started 10th, oh, was in 27th yeah. by the end of the first lap. Yeah, I think he got caught up in something and then went all the way back. Which, I mean, 27, bearing in mind, how many riders are there on the grid? 29. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you had uh, Delaporta and Arbolino not finishing the first lap. That was a big crash, wasn't it, for Arbolino? I know Delaporta mm-hmm. looked a bit dangerous, but the Arbolino one looked huge. Mm. I mean, it's all well and good and whatnot, but the crash looked, you know, it's, I mean, Aston's fast, don't get me wrong, but. That crash looked like, you know, it's one of them that Lorenzo actually did his his vertebrae there. I believe it was the same corner uh, when he was on the Honda. And I just remember seeing that bike fly through the air. And I thought, well, if you've come out of that unscathed, you've done well. Mm. I mean, on, on De La Porta, he's, he's having a shocking season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's just a rut. Like there were... but... yeah. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I was just saying, hopefully it's just a rut for De La Porta, but... At the moment, I don't know. There's, is he? How many races has he actually finished? Not many, I don't think. Going on standings, um, let's have a look. See if I can quickly, quickly see. Uh, two races he's finished. Two. Uh, it's, so, not like, it's not looking good for him, is it? No. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, talk about some of the wrecks. Like there were some pretty nasty ones this weekend i mean the, the the one in moto three i forget who it was that went down um but he just sort of like lost the bike and the bike kept going straight mm. uh, yeah i remember seeing you had I, I was concentrating on something it was else. either Minio or adrian fernandez because those are the only two who wrecked out of yeah. moto three but then you fernandez. had like the okay you had the the mark crash in was it practice? That was a that that yeah. Uh, like that sent him a good six feet through the air. More, I'd say. Yeah. Like over where the bike was. I mean, it's, uh, and then you got the Delaporta one. It's like, ooh. yeah, definitely. Delaporta was lucky not to get clipped or anything like that there, because through there, and not only is it so clustered with the traffic and whatnot. You've got a corner where, you know, you lent all the way over. And by the time you got on the gas, that's where he literally was. So it was, uh, you know, you're holding your breath through there when you saw him go down. But, yeah, it's not it's not looking great, is it, really, for Dallaporta, to be honest? Uh, you know who else is not looking good for? It's Joe Robert. Yeah. 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 I, was, I was sitting on my couch watching the race on my TV. My son was sitting there. And when he went down, I stood up and just started like screaming mm-hmm. obscenities. And he goes, "I guess you." My son goes, "I guess you like him." I'm like, "He's the only American." <laughs> well, you got Cam as well. Like completely, they're like not even thinking about Cam at the time. I was just like so caught up. I'm like, he's a, he's like our only hope right now. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, he's the only American hope that you go. Come on, you can get on a podium. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like you you can do this. We know you can. It's like he Cam's still learning. You've got He'll the, get there. But you you we expect better. We expect yeah. someone with a Robert's name. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. 
Um, well, Digi, yeah, move- um, Digi's probably glad he's a kind yeah. a, a deal for next season in MotoGP. Yeah, it's like that curse, isn't it? It's like yeah, you either sign it and then do wonders, or you sign it and you're like, okay, that's me done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, early bath. But um, yeah, yeah, the, the Roberts thing kind of frustrated me. I remember seeing him go down and just thought. You know, you've moved to a team that's just won a world title with Bastianini um, from a team that, you know, you've got a lot of support from being an American team and whatnot, which, you know, I'm not I'm not questioning his move. But if you want to be challenging for world titles, Joe, I'm not being funny. It's like the Sam. It's not as as it's not as thingy as Sam Lowe's because Sam Lowe's does show that he can win, whereas Joe's yet to do that. But Joe needs to bring the pike home. He can't. He, for me, he's on that slope where if he carries on, I just don't ever see him breaking that duck into like that top five, consist like consistently. Um, because again, the, the the depth in talent in Moto Two is so so big. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, moving on with our US UK watch. Yeah, Dixon, 18th. Yeah. It's really weird because, like, this is somebody everyone's saying, like, oh, he could be on Patronus next season. It's like, can he, though? Yeah, I think what it is is more so because Dorna want a British rider back in the paddock. Yeah, it's a huge thing for them. Yeah, I I don't want to sound like that's the only reason it should happen because Patronus themselves are probably really annoyed with the fact that they know for a fact that Jake is so quick. Like, he has shown it and, you know, pulled trees up in Patronus to, to A, get the ride originally in Patronus, but B, be kept on as a kind of, you know, you're our hope for GP. And those rumours aren't going around for no reason. They know how quick he is, but they need to almost have an excuse to put him up because then you've got Vierge, sorry, sitting there saying, you know, like, well, what do I do then? Do you know? Um, but again, Vieja is not doing anything really to say he warrants a GP ride. Yeah, he got a podium last week. Was it last week? Or was it the week before? I forget. But yeah, Dixon really needs a good result. It's it's frustrating mm-hmm. to see. I think, like I say, him and Joe Roberts fall into the same category where results mean confidence. Confidence means results. So, yeah. Uh, rider of the day? I've already picked mine. Um... I'll go with Bezeki. Solid fifth place. Started 17th, I think. Also got um, caught up, didn't he, in the um, Galaporta yeah. incident? Solid race for him. I think, uh, I want to say it's done and dusted the title for him. It's now a two-horse race, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I want to say that. I mean, he's, well, yeah. I'd say it's a two-horse race. Um, you know, it, I think Fernandez will be hard pushed to catch Gardner in his current form, but I think Bezeki's just had too many kind of finishes outside the podium positions really now. Um, but still a good result all around for starting 17th, getting caught up in the incident, finishing fifth. Strong, strong effort from him. Yeah, agreed. <sighs> Oh, no, did you say who you were taking? Uh, Vietti. Vietti, okay. Just wanted to double check. Uh, 
I'm going to take the other Fernandez, Augusta. Yeah. I mean, good return. That whole like, uh, yeah, and later on in the race when the uh, Red Bull KTM IO guys and the Elfmark VDS guys like broke away from Sam Lowe's in fourth to Bedzeki in fifth, you've got almost seven seconds. So for that little pod of those four to just speed away, and it was just a constant, like, you go in front, then you go in front, and just a back and forth. And for uh, Augusto Fernandez to be able to beat his teammate, who Sam Lowe's, like, this is somebody everyone's saying is a title contender, and he's able to beat his teammate. Yeah. Like, Honestly, really Fernandez, yeah, Fernandez hasn't had the best of times this season. You've seen him fall off a few times, um, giving me a heart attack a few times, thinking it's been Sam Lowe's, um, only for Sam Lowe's to crash out anyway <laughs> in a couple. But yeah, it's a strong ride from, from Fernandez there, really, Yeah, considering what he's been through. And I think he's deserved it, definitely. Yeah, definitely got it on merit and not on like, you know, people mm. crashing out or whatnot, you know, solid, genuine pace as well, like solid, solid ride. Yeah. Now, time for what we've all been waiting for <laughs> through two different races, a transfer market discussion and all the technical issues in between. MotoGP in Assen. Yes. <laughs> Finally. So our finishing order goes Quattararo, then Vinales. Mir, Zarco, Oliveira, Banyaya, Mark Marquez, Alasia Spargo, Nakagami, Pola Spargo, Renz, Bender, Petrucci, Alex Marquez, Bastianini, Salvadori, Garrett Gerloff, which we didn't even mention that, <laughs> uh, Luca Marini, not finishing, Lycawona, Jack Miller, Martin and Bono, cover your ears. Rossi. When you saw Rossi go down, and like the way he's just sort of on his knees, like you kind of knew, like this is probably where he goes. I'm done. Yeah. If he if he was on the fence about retiring before to go down and ass in a track that like it's like Mark Marquez in socks ring and Rossi in ass. I think Assens is barely. In a way, he's an honorary honorary citizen now of Assen, isn't he? Yeah, it's. I mean, for him to go down there, you kind of like you could almost see it in his on his helmet. Couldn't see it in his face, but almost like his body language was like, "Oh, this is this is my deciding thing. I'm done." Yeah, it it was so frustrating as well, considering if if either of you watched the Saturday, he just looked. I'm not going to say one like amazing, but. You looked at him and, you know, straight into Q2. And even in Q2, didn't set the world alight, but didn't look, you know, like he was miles off it. He just looked, this is the Valentino that we kind of expect on a satellite Yamaha. And then it got to the race. He just went straight down to the end, like down to the back, sorry. I don't know what happened from the start. Um, and then it just seemed like he was chasing a, a loose end sort yeah. of thing and pushed I- too hard. It just, I, I don't know anymore, really. I think it's a case of, I'm not going to speak too much on the Rossi thing until news gets announced because every year 
since about 2016, people have been saying he's going to retire. And, uh, you know, being a massive, massive Rossi fan, I don't want to say, yeah, he's going to retire. I kind of want to kind of let it let it happen. Um, but at the same time, it is sad to see because mm. it's just... Like you say, it, it's the one place you expected him to do something. And exactly. Sad. I thought if he was going to get his 200th podium at any point during this season, it was going to be Assen. Uh, I can only mm-hmm. see it now. I can only see him getting one if there's a flag-to-flag, maybe. And there's a few offs, you know, if there's a, a few things goes his way. But other than that, the only thing that kind of softens it for Rossi, the only thing that makes his situation not as bad as it could be is the fact that Frankie's also doing shocking on that Patronus when he's on it. You know, if, if Frankie was up there and, you know, on the podium winning races like he was last season, then I think that would be 100% fully, you know, yeah. done. That'd I mean, be Rossi done. But yeah. considering that that other Patronus bike is a pile of, a pile of dog as well. I think it's... as well, like, he, he, he got on the podium, didn't he, at Portimao? Was it Portimao? Morbidelli, I think he got P3, Mir got P2, and mm. then Otto won. Um, but yeah, what I was going to say on that was, it's, it's like, knowing this season, Rossi will probably put it on the podium, probably win at Valencia, a, a track he's never yeah. really got on with. Do you know what I mean? But jokes aside, um, yeah, it, it's a case of, with Rossi, I think it's a case of seeing what his options are next year to then really eye up. Is it worth it? And, you know, does he really want to do it? Um but like we said earlier, you know, there's a there's a chance he might race in his own team. I mean, if he's gonna, if, if you can race anywhere, you can race in your own team, can't you? I mean, realistically, you're telling me if there's one person that can get around the complications of being able to race in a team of their own, it's gonna be Rossi. Like, no, nobody ever in that paddock has the power that that man has. And I'm not saying like to overturn rules or to, you know kind of bribe people nothing like that I'm, I'm talking the stature of that man and what he's brought to the sport the you know what they would say okay you know what fair enough like if it means you racing for your own team you know that that to me means a lot and especially for like like I say I mean you look at MotoGP before Rossi and then look at it after the sport I'm not saying it's all him don't get me wrong but the sport globally and everything with it has just gone through the roof. Um, you know, you, d- you don't get riders like Rossi come through once every 50 years. You know, it, it, absolute one in a million. So I'd love to see him race if it meant that he was going to be competitive. But I don't know if I'd want to see him race if it meant him fighting for a point. Mm. I think that's it for me. Um, yeah, it's it's... It's hard to talk about, even if you're not a Rossi fan, because you don't really want to see a legend just get dethroned like the drop of a hat. But at the same instance, you don't want to see a legend ride around in a position that kind of dents his legacy. I don't think it would dent his legacy because everyone knows how good he was. But, you know, he's not a spring chicken, is he? No, I think it's been a gradual decline, hasn't it, really? Yeah. Um, It's been coming, and it's just... I guess for Rossi, he needs to work out whether he wants to give it another season, another shot at trying to get another podium or another win to go out in style, or you know, to go out at the top. Or if he just thinks, "Now nah, I'll call it, I'll call it quits." I think it'd be quite poetic if he, if his last season was on his own team's bike, 
Yeah. That'd be quite a romantic season, you know, a romantic end to the kind of story of Rossi and MotoGP. Yeah, because well, you don't have that kind of like, the politic behind it of like, no. you know, the team's getting rid of him. He can, he can, you know, I'd, I don't want to sit there and say, you know, he can do as he pleases because that makes it sound like, you know, there's other riders that you think they warrant the ride even more. But mm. we're talking, again, we're talking a different rider here. We're not talking any old Joe riding around to say goodbye. We're, we're talking about a legend, a goat of the sport, right? Like racing in his own team. Again, who else has their own team that can possibly think about racing in it? No, no one <laughs> has that facility. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I don't know. It, It'll be an interesting one. I think it's just a case of wait and see. And it's in his hands, isn't it? Really, if he doesn't want, if Patronus don't want him, he can, and he really wants to race next year. Let's be honest, he probably can. As much as he might play it down, I think he's probably playing it down not to disrespect Patronus. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but yeah, on to the uh, actual racing <laughs> side of things for this weekend. Yeah. Besides, besides Rossi, on the other crashes, Miller was a surprise, but Lacona I felt so bad for because he looked so good. He looked really good this weekend. He got pushed out of Q2 ever so slightly, and there were some big names in Q2. There was like mm-hmm. Zarco, Bagnaya, you know, there were there were some there were some big names in there. Um, was Marquez in Q2? It was no Q1. Sorry, it was in Q1. Yeah, yeah. Because um, did he have a little? He, he crashed didn't he, in Q1. I'm sure yeah. he did. He didn't get. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, some big riders in there and just to miss out by one place, I did feel a little bit bad for him. And he was hunting down both Repsols at one point in the race today. Uh, so I did feel a little bit bad for him because that, that last chicane is, it can be an absolute, you know, an absolute muggery of a corner at times. As good mm. as it is, it can catch you out. So, yeah, I just thought I'd put it in there that the corner, I thought he raced brilliantly, but unfortunately just didn't pay off for him today so so yeah but i'm happy because the, the front two were the boys in blue so i'm i'm more than happy <laughs> with that yeah so uh moving on uh i mean garrett gerloff uh we don't really have to devil too long on this uh taking the place of franco morbidelli for this race uh frankie had knee surgery yeah yeah um which i i could have sworn I heard, I think it was, it would have been Matt Day or no, Steve Day uh, saying that's an eight week, eight week recovery. Easily. I think what I've read is, uh, and if it, I mean, me personally, I think it's a lot, 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 lot longer than eight weeks. If it is what they've been hinting at and saying that it might be an anterior crucial ligament, which Josh, you know, from football, that in football, if you get that, yeah, if you, if you get your ACL with football, you're usually out for, nine ten months before you mm. can even like think about running so well, you the, know i mean one of the biggest slot on yeah when yeah. he tore his acl with man U, and then what he missed the whole season yeah mm. yeah so it's i don't know I, it, I don't know if he's if he's torn it or it might just be a slight you know he might have just pinched it or something you, you don't know do you but but if it's knee it's it's serious um but on the Garrett Gerloff thing, people will look at it and say, well, it's finished pretty much stone last. What's there to shout about? But a guy's come in on last minute notice. He has raced on a bike that he's never raced before. He's been on a, a Yamaha oh. in, in the damp, but he's never raced yeah, in he... the dry or anything like that. He's, he's racing in the, the most competitive bike form in the world. 
on new tires, new brake discs, new bike, new track. Never, you know, this is a whole new world for him. So if you're 53 well, seconds he... off of Fabio Quattararo after how many laps are there in a, in today's race? Was it 26? Was, like 30. was it 30? Was it 30 I'm laps in sure. this, this week's one? I don't know. Well, let, let's just say 26. I don't know. Let's, whatever number it is. A full race distance to be within a, within a minute there. within a minute of that twenty six yeah that is honestly I don't think people are giving him the credit that he deserves I mean uh, within a minute I think that's massively impressive but obviously results mean more than how many seconds he was off but still solid I mean not many people can come in and just you know crack on with stuff like that and you know we, let's not forget as well. He's on an old Yamaha. He's not on the 2021 Yamaha. He's still on that 19 Yamaha that Frankie's riding, which last year looked like it could win at times, but other times <laughs> it looked like a bag of nails. So yeah. you don't know, do you? You don't know what, what he's been given facility-wise. He won't be up the pecking order in terms of, you know, oh, I need this doing and that doing. I don't think everyone's running around Garrett Gerloff, but solid ride. I mean, he's another one, Josh. He might put himself in the... Yeah, it's not stupid mentioned. to say. It's no, not stupid to say at all. It's been mentioned that maybe he's in yeah, he's in the in the ring for it for a Petronas maybe, seat. Maybe maybe Salvador is getting the Yamaha seat for, <laughs> for Vinales. Who knows? <laughs> maybe maybe Matt's getting it. What do you reckon, Matt? You up for it? <laughs> what about here we go? What about Lorenzo? Oh god. <laughs> if Lorenzo if Lorenzo was yeah. If if Lorenzo was in peak physical shape, I'd be like, yes, yeah, he's um, he's enjoying but, his retirement. For, yeah, I mean, yeah. fair play to him. He's a five times world champion yeah, for me. Do, what he wants. do as you please, Lorenzo. Yeah, you've you've done, you've had, you know, you've had great years on a bike and whatnot, and you've it's done wonders. Like Nico do, Rosberg coming back in F one. <laughs> just do it. I mean, if you were him, would you be keeping in a shape of a MotoGP rider? I know I no. wouldn't be. No, everyone sits there and calls him, but. How many people in his position would be like, yeah, I'll stay in touch just in case. He's not bothered. He goes and does what he wants. But, you know, um, yeah, I'm saying either Matt Matt Polanski or Savadori for the Yamaha seat for Maverick, <laughs> if it gets announced. I, right. I don't think Matt would even take that due to it being yeah, Yamaha. Yeah, I think Matt's got, Matt's got work, to be fair. I don't think he's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, because yeah, going and working on, you know, Subarus <laughs> is comparable to going and riding a Yamaha. Yeah, exactly. Who'd want to go ride a Yamaha? <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, Brad Bender finished 12th. Yeah. I mean, to go, like, was this a strong KTM track? No, because, but Miguel still put it on in fifth. And who's the one but, with the long term contract? Yeah, it's just. Exactly. I, like, I still think somewhere in management, they, they were, it was meant to be to Oliveira. Typo. I'd, I'd <laughs> love Josh. I'd just love to go to like the main KTM headquarters of Josh and just let, like, almost like with the old toys where you just like twist them at the back, open the door and just let Josh go in and just let him go absolutely off on one to KTM. He'd be like, Miguel Oliveira deserves a contract. I, like I say, like, like Matt said, there was a typo. And they just went <laughs> along with it. <laughs> it's actually meant for Alex Rins, believe it or not. God. Yeah. It, I mean, again, I, we're not we we're, we're not shitting on Brad Binder. That no. is not what we're doing. We're questioning no. 
why Miguel has not got a contract. That's what we're saying. If it were, if Miguel right. had got a, a long contract, we were saying, all right, Binder will probably get one, is what it is. You know what I mean? And you'd <laughs> say, Miguel deserves it. Binder, I don't... I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to say on it. I don't know whether he, I think he deserves to stay there. You know, he's not, he's not flunking, you know, he's not doing absolutely awful at KTM. He's doing all right, but what did he get given? Three years? Was it 2024? Yeah, Um, three years. If, if, is it? Yeah, three three seasons. For me, if that, if what Brad Binder's done warrants three years, then Miguel should be getting a like seven year contract. I mean, if, if, if KTM didn't have the junior teams... But again, that's what we're saying. This is the con of having so much talent coming yeah. through. You've got so many people to try and keep happy, and it's if just K- not possible. If they didn't have those junior teams, it would make total sense to keep Binder on. Well, I don't, I don't blame... Yeah, I don't blame Martin looking at it and going, well, an old KTM at Tech 3 mm. or a, a brand new Ducati. But... You know. And he picks Ducati. With the wealth of talent that they have, uh, I know we've we've mentioned it so many times, but I, I'm still struggling to to understand the logic behind it. The only for, I... for me, Miguel has to be their driving force in terms of development. He has to be. Yeah, he's the guy who's won on it most. He's he's you know, there's no KTM rider that's won more races than him. He's run he's won two races on an old KTM on a on a on a Tech Three. And he's won in the factory. You've given him a KTM factory contract as it is anyway, so clearly you've got a lot of faith in him. Why not extend that contract having won on that bike? When you've said when they've said, look, we need this doing, they've given him the new chassis or whatnot, and he's gone, I've proved there you go, there's your proof. I can make it work. I've won on it. And they've gone, That's cool, Miguel. But Brad, there's your contract. Why? You know, it just why? doesn't. That, it doesn't make any sense. Unless the only the only thing I'm thinking, and here we go, is just a kind of scenario to to explain it. But maybe they know that Miguel's off. They know that Miguel is not staying with them. So they're tying yeah. down Brad. Maybe next season, if Miguel goes next season, or maybe the season after. Let's say if Miguel stays for next season, and then he's he's going. Maybe they're going to have um, Fernandez and Gardner, and they just say to him, look. You two fire out next season. Whoever comes out on top gets a factory seat. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I'm not but sure. Then, but then. Oh, here we go again. But then, if if one of I don't know, like if if none of them really warrant that seat enough, you might have people snapping up a Costa in a Moto Two seat. And then you've yeah. lost your biggest talent of them all. Do you know? Like, oh, yeah. oh nice. I don't know. I really don't know. But <laughs> Luckily, we is, don't have to deal with that. Yeah, so. but with, with Miguel, he's always spoken very highly of KTM. And when he was in Tech 3 and Binder got promoted, Miguel was like, well, hang on a minute. Why am I not being promoted? So they, mm. they clearly favor Binder very much. Like they, they clearly think so, so highly of Brad. And they do with Miguel. But their argument at the time was, well, Tech Three have said we don't want two rookies in a in a team again. We want, you know, we want some experience in Miguel. So Miguel stuck with it, won two races on it, and then got given the upgrade to the KTM factory team. Been given it, and then since then they've gone right. Miguel, Brad, you know, crack on. Miguel's mm. cracked on, and then they're like, cool, Brad, you're staying for longer. <laughs> I'm not saying Brad doesn't deserve it, but it like it just doesn't make any sense adding it. It doesn't, all. We'll, and we could we could honestly go around in circles. Yeah, 
about it enough, <laughs> really, because it's just so peculiar. Um, but yeah, well, there's not much right, more okay, to tell. Sim- no. Simple question. Simple question. A, do you think Miguel will stay at KTM for more than his contracted years? Thoughts? No. Matt? I do. Okay. <laughs> and my second question was, if he does go, where's he going? Because I think for me, it's either got to be Suzuki or Yamaha. Mm. Or maybe another... Oh, God. It just keeps oh. on going, doesn't it? That's maybe, like, maybe Paul. That. Josh, like, BMW are making a, a, a thing. I was about to say, Kawasaki's coming into talks here. No, I was going to say, maybe maybe Paul parts way with Honda. And he oh goes, uh, I don't God. know. It's, I don't, oh, it's just, There's so many scenarios that could be thrown But then if there. that happens, Marquez is going to say, well, if you want me to stay, then get Alex Marquez back in the budget. Probably. <laughs> But then Honda are probably going to turn around and say, well, we want a Japanese rider in it, and so Nakagami's been doing all right. So Nakagami go to factory, and they're, oh, I don't even know anymore. What are two wheels and an engine? What is it? Is it a bike? Is it like, what? <laughs> I don't know. Well, moving on to it, I wanted to talk about Nakagami because this was so sad. Frustrating. Mm. Like, he got, he started fourth. At the end of the yeah, he at the end of the first lap to the twelfth lap, he's in second. In lap thirteen, he, or he's in third. In laps thirteen, he gets to second. Lap fourteen, he loses four places. He stays. He loses another one on the next lap, and then the lap after loses another four. I think this was so heart wrenching. Yeah, he's um... and then. The issue was, I think, he did he have mediums on front and rear compounds? He went the solid. Soft. He ran on, didn't he? He ran on from, was it behind Marquez? or No, it wasn't behind Marquez. It was behind, I think it was Bagnaia or Zarco or somebody. He ran really close up behind him in turn one, went wide, and then just got absolutely duffed up by Aleish, Mark, and all the others behind him, and then kind of couldn't really get back to grips with things. But... I feel like Nakagami is going to become the Nico Hulkenberg of MotoGP, where he just yeah. never gets a podium. I, I don't know what it is. Like he looks so good in the first few laps, mm. I just couldn't hold it together. Well, he it, like crumbled. You can you can tell he made the the gambled on a medium compound for both front and rear, and everyone else had either a hard front or hard rear. Yeah. And you could you could see you could see what happened. It, it worked in the first half of the race, and then they just they just both fell off a cliff. The tires, and that was that. Yeah. It was a shame. Yeah. I mean, speaking um, of LCR, yeah. for me, I don't know where I stand with how I feel with Alex Marquez. Mm. I'm like, he's in his second year now. He's on a bike that he rode in the first year and whatnot, and. I'm kind of wait. I know he's a slow burner in general, but when does it get to a point where the Marquez name rubs off and people go, somebody else deserves that seat? I'm not. Look, I, I think he's a great rider, and I think he's got great pace at times, but he doesn't have consistency. He doesn't have that one lap pace, and he doesn't have anything to me that makes me think, you know what? Besides the name. I think he thoroughly deserves a long-term ride in GP. Like, when is it going to get to a point where 
you know, it, it just wears off. I don't know if you think the same or see where I'm coming from. I, think, but I, I don't know. I think one of the problems was Marquez was all well. Mark Marquez was always banging on about how his his little brother was always better than him. But I think that's you know? just another way of saying, look, I'm a four or five times world champion, whatever it was when he when he said it. You should see my brother, you know, kind of selling his brother, you know. Yeah, like, I think that's, that's more so what that is. This cult of personality came along, like, oh, when are we going to see the the Marquez? That's faster than Mark. Yeah, that's faster than Mark. You know, when's that going to come out? But I don't know. It's it is because he he, last season he got two podiums out with that Honda, which was obviously built and designed for his brother. So we know there's some kind. We know there's something in there. But I mean, I know the different racing styles and whatnot. They're not the same. Mm. But I don't look at Alex Marquez and think. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, if he was on a Ducati, Yamaha, whatever, mm. I don't look at him and go, you know what, on another bike, I think he could do amazing. A little bit like what I looked at Paul, even though he looked great on a KTM, I thought, well, on a Honda, when he gets to grips with it, and Honda, you know, gets to grips with themselves, yeah. I know Honda aren't doing amazing at the minute, but I've just, do you know what I mean? I've not seen anything from Alex to make me think, yeah. You know mm. what? Yeah, you really are putting a stall up to say, this is my seat. I don't know. I just think eventually it's going to wear off that you can be Mark Marquez's brother, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking at my backside. I don't know. But um, 14th doesn't exactly scream amazing. It doesn't exactly scream, give me a contract, does it? Mm, true. But to keep Mark happy, you'd you'd assume their hands are tied to say, well, we've got to keep Alex in at Honda. I don't know. Yeah, but but at the same time, when they brought Paul in, like apparently Mark was not happy that they yeah. sent Alex to LCR and brought Paul in because not only did it send Alex down, but now you're bringing in somebody who is going to try to compete with mark with alex there there was no competition it was like oh well it's my little brother yeah i'm gonna keep winning nobody's gonna challenge me and now it's like well polls come in and or they brought Paul in someone who can challenge mark so in a way do they want to keep mark happy yeah but at the at the same time they're also looking out for themselves by bringing in someone like paul Sparger. yeah and at the mm-hmm. same time paul Sparger has got i mean the they're all right now. I don't know how pally they are with Mark. I can't imagine they're going out for beers and whatnot. But <laughs> uh, Paul and Mark have got a bit of history. Well, the Spargo family, brothers and Marquez brothers have always had a bit of history. Like growing up, yeah. they were in the same kind of ranks and whatnot. And Moto Two, Paul, even One Two Five, but mainly Moto Two. Mark and Paul had a real like coming together, um, and Mark got the better of him. But you would be pretty peeved off if you were Mark and your brother got moved out of the way for that guy, you know. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I just don't know. I don't know. For me, you can't... Like if like Marini, for me, if Marini didn't have a really good season in like the next two or three, there's going to be people saying, well, look, you can be Rossi's brother forever and a day. Like that's, that's not enough. And yeah, Rossi can put him in his team, keep him there for a million years cool it's his brother but that's not the same instance with mark and alex alex is in a team run by honda and they have their hands tied to get rid of cal to to make room for alex 
they didn't want to, but Honda were basically saying, look, you've got no choice. We're doing it for Mark. Um, but when does that wear off is more my question. Mm. Because as much as I don't want Alex to do bad or anything like that, but <laughs> it's not like he's put anything up to say otherwise, is it? No. So I don't know. Just a just a small point to maybe, you know, keep an eye on, but I don't know. I don't know. Um Rider of the Day, do you want to move on? I think to be fair, before we get on to Rider of the Day, Josh, bear with. But mm-hmm. I genuinely think Alex Rins had a good ride. He having having been knocked down, yeah. Having been knocked down and coming back to eleventh, that's not a bad ride. Because yeah. he was he was way down. He was way down, wasn't he? He was like down in 17... No, he was even further back at the time before mm. there was more people that had crashed. He was like 20th, 21st um, and picked his way through to 11th, which, yeah, is not absolutely amazing. But in terms of where it went and whatnot, I was like, fair play. <laughs> absolutely fair play. Um, but yeah, rider of the day. Anybody want to go first? Um, Yeah, I guess... I can if you guys want to think about it because I've already made my choice. Go on then. Uh, I'm taking Mark. Mm, yeah. And here's why. Starts 20th. Yeah. End of lap one is in 12th. The, uh, next lap, 10th, where he stayed consistently up until lap 15, and then he started picking off spots. You went. He went from 20th to 7th. Yeah. Hey, I mean that is that's rider of the day stuff right there. Like yeah. you, especially someone you expect to be up there to start. You know he had the big high side and uh, quality finish. You know qualified twentieth. Yeah, I mean he's had he's had a he's had a, a mixed weekend, and for him to come back with that is definitely a, a good. You know, if you'd have said to him after that big high side, don't worry. You'll come home in seventh. I think it'll take. I think it'll took that, especially with a, a a very physical track like Assen. You see those onboard shots where the bike's shaking like mad. I mean, with our sorry, must be after yesterday, and with his injury as it is, you know, I think Mark Mark would have taken um, seventh before. But Josh, do you have your pick? Um, yeah, Mark's a solid shout just because of how well he recovered. Um. Peko as well, I feel he did well. Um, he took the fight to the Quadrara for a little bit, but I don't think we were expecting the Ducati really to stay up there. But he gave it a good go to begin with. But probably I'd go with Mia. I'd say started 10th, um, finished third. It's what Suzuki have been needing and Mia's needed. Um, a strong result. I think they did say that from Assen onwards is when you'd start to see performance better performances due to tire allocation being better or something. Yeah. Um so kind especially of, considering Suzuki can't qualify as well. Exactly, yeah. The the the, the one lap pace is just horrendous. Which is it's a bit just odd. Way off it, did, yeah. Did you hear or uh do you guys listen to the last on the breaks podcast? No. I do when yeah, I do in spells. I, it's it's like I watch twenty five minutes and then they, watch another twenty five minutes like two days later. <laughs> It was funny because they had uh, Juan Mears, Frankie Carcetti, engineer. Yeah, yeah, and it was funny whenever he like he was talking about when he went to Suzuki, and he said, you know, they were like, our quality pace isn't the best. He's like, no, neither is mine. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's like, I have not been able to get my riders to qualify high throughout yeah. my career. They were like, perfect. <laughs> Match made in heaven. But, you know, I'd yeah. rather not be able to qualify and win world titles than not be yeah, able to exactly. win world titles and be able to qualify. So I don't think Frank Carcetti is going to be absolutely, you know, I don't think he's going to be crying yeah. himself to sleep that he can't qualify all the time. So mm. if they fix that, I think I said it on Twitter earlier, if they fix that, they're a scary team because yeah, they'll be Mir, Mir's a demon. Like, you know, Mir was going to be one of my picks. It was either going to be Mir. And, I, you know, I could pick one of the Yamaha boys, but it was kind of, it was expected, but they still went through and did it. You know, saying mm. saying it is one thing, doing it is another. Um, Quattraro, dominant. Vinales looked great, especially in those last few laps. Um, Mir, you've picked... I was going to go with Zarco, but at the same time, I'm going to go with Oliveira because mainly because Josh has given me the the idea of going <laughs> to Yamaha, so that that might add into it. But no, all jokes aside, his consistency since having these new parts is massively impressive. Yeah. From Mugello, different rider. We sat there the week before Mugello, me and Matt did when we were doing the grading thing and saying Miguel Oliveira, as much as I like him. And I've always been a fan of Miguel. Even when he was in like Moto3 fighting for title with Danny Kent, he just looked like a GP rider in the making. You cannot argue the first start, the first part of the season just has just looked awful. KTM looked awful. They looked way off it, not where anybody had them to be. New parts, mm. Miguel has looked, since then, has looked arguably one of the best three consistent riders. I'd say him, yeah. Fabio, and maybe... Zarco, possibly since like the yeah. Jello kind of time. Yeah, he's, Jello, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's always consistent. Zarco is. Um, I don't know if that would be right in saying Zarco. I'm trying to think of his results in general, but maybe not. Maybe someone like Mir or whatever. But my point being, since then he's looked unreal. So if you'd have said to Miguel Oliveira before the Magello parts came in, P5 in somewhere like Assen, you know, that's mm. that's a great result. He, He's putting himself up for what I put himself forward, put him forward for. Sorry, at the start of the year, which was a P five, at least top five in the championship. Miguel is seriously, seriously putting himself up there. And if he gets to P five in the championship from the first part of the season, that is some comeback. Like Mir at the start of the last year, after two races, was on like four points or something, and it was like, oh, you know, always ne- never count yourself out. But the first part of the year, Miguel had what was it, Matt? Was it like nine points after a quarter of the way through? I think we had him at something like that. And it was just like, you know, what's happened to KTM since Mugello? He's what got on the podium. He got P2. He got P2 last week. He won at Catalonia. P5 at Assen. That's four results just there, all in the top five with those new parts. That is a rider to be. And going into Austria. You know, two yeah. races at Austria, a, a track he's won at. It it's scary. If I'm the rest of the, if, if I'm like Fabio, he's my you know guy to look out for. So yeah, Miguel's my pick, hundred um, percent. I'd be worried going into going into Austria if I was anybody else. If I'm a Ducati, mm. I, I'd be the, he'd be the guy yeah. I'd be looking out for who's not on a Ducati. Be be, be Miguel. Yeah, every G- day of the week. Ducati are going to be pretty. Sweating quite profusely over the the double header Austria, I think. Yeah, because it's a given, isn't it? That it's like, oh, Ducati will win, and then he he won last year. He absolutely just dobbed Paul and Jack mm. on the last corner, but deserved it. You know, he deserved it. Davi won the week before that, 
But I think always, oh, yeah, it was the week before, wasn't it, that he won, and they, they had the whole red flag thing. Um, so yeah, for me, Oliveira into Austria could be the shout for a win. I'll probably jinx it, probably crash out both times, but yeah, he's looked great, hasn't he? Really, from the, yeah. from the new parts, he has looked amazing. I think Matt will be happy because he's KTM. Maybe not for much yeah. longer, though. <laughs> you hope. I pray. Yeah, but uh, real quick look at the standings. Fabio still leads on 156. Zarco, second, 122. Benyaya, third with 109. It's, Fabio's running away with it. What's the gap? So, anyone can uh, Fabio has 156. Zarco has 122. So what's that? 44? 34. 34. No, 33. 30, sorry. Yeah, 34. 34, sorry, yeah. Yeah. 34 points. I so, mean, it's always, I think when, you, when you're watching it, it's always, if your guy's leading by more, than, like a, a, a bit more than a, a race wins distance, it's kind of comfortable in a way to think, well, if he does have a, a blunder, you know, and he drops one and then the guy in second wins, he's still in front. But it's also you don't want to become too comfortable, you know, going mm-hmm. into races like Austria where the Yamaha doesn't really work as well as the other bikes. It's all right having 34 points now, but let's see where it's at after these races that a Ducati or a KTM will suit, a Honda will suit, you know. Maybe that'll be a Aprilia track. Maybe Aleish gets near the podium at Red Bull Ring. It's a it's a shout. Could happen. Right. Maybe Vinales does on an Aprilia. <laughs> but, uh, do you want to do fantasy quickly just before we sign off? Ooh, I don't have mine. Uh, oh. I'm not that looking forward to doing it this week for me. I don't think I did all too well, but <laughs> I wouldn't have done that well. Other than Fabio, I wouldn't have done that well. Actually, saying that, I might have got points because of Yamaha, because they got pole, and then because of being 1-2 in both qualifying and race. Actually, no, because I don't have Maverick in my team. I've got Miguel, Jack, who crashed, and I've got Zarco. So, eh, might be all right. I'm fourth, so I dropped a position. I'll probably still be fifth or wherever I was. Uh... Yes, you are fifth. So we've in first place. We have Ant Man Motorcycles leading the way with nine nine hundred and twenty one point five points. Second place, we have Matic Motorsports on nine oh nine hundred nine point five. So catching Ant Man a little bit. Third place, we have Tiger Motorsports on eight hundred seven. Yeah, Fourth place, Rin Sintin, myself, on 865. Uh, fifth place, Bono GP, with 818. Sixth place, we got Takanaka Wakagami, 773. Okay, so I've got a healthy gap Seventh down to pl- Takanaka cool. Yeah. Uh, and then another steady gap down to, uh, in seventh place, S07 on 716. Eighth place, Danical Motorsports on 644.5. Ninth, we have Buffalo Bills, 629. And in 10th place, Triple 765. So, Josh, one thing you got going for your speed values has gone way up. You are right up there with Ant-Man motorcycles. Yeah, team and I've still got my two of them motor 
boosters left. I've not used any yeah. of mine yet. And well, I used one I... on Bang Bang Nai or Magella, so obviously that was a uh. waste. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use I Miguel used... for next week. Well, mm. uh, Austria. I can't remember if I used one on Fabio, but I can't remember if it was this week or last race. Seemed if it was Hareth. <laughs> like the only yeah. race he's not done well at. I mean, for Fabio, it showed my points total was 41, so I might have... To be fair, that's another thing I'm dreading, is the fact that... I'm, am I right in saying that no, either Maverick or Fabio haven't crashed out of a race yet? I don't think they have. I can't... I mean, Maverick barely ever crashes, and Fabio's, an, Fabio's another one, isn't he, really? He's not, he's not really a crasher, so to speak. And I'm almost like, you know how we keep saying with like the Ralph Fernandez and Remy thing in that, oh, Ralph's had that crash, he's out the way. I am dreading if Fabio bins it. I really am. Because, <laughs> you know, if anything, if he's going to crash anywhere, I'd rather it be somewhere like Austria because he probably won't get a hell of a lot of points anyway. If it's somewhere like Mazzano, where I'm like, I can probably expect Fabio to be up there for a podium. Mm. You might see a grown man cry. I'll be honest. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I need to use those boosts. I keep forgetting about them. I literally get to qualifying and I'm like, oh, oh wait, I can't use them because it's already gone. But yeah, that's the only way I'm going to actually crawl up this bloody leaderboard at, at this rate. <laughs> who's who's leading? Is it the the guy in Oz? Ant Man. Yeah, from Australia. What's his team looking like? So maybe we can give the people listening who might be in that league <laughs> a bit of a. Maybe maybe people at the bottom need to be taking some tips off of Ant Man. Yeah. But saying that, if you pick the same team as him, then you're not going to gain on him or, you know. No, you'll me. just end up just yeah, staying steady with him. What's his team looking like? I have a feeling uh, he might have like up. Ducati as his team or something. Or, yeah, it might have, it's got to be Ducati or Yamaha, surely. So this race, he had Juan Mir and. Uh, Fabio as gold riders. He has Ducati as his, as his team, but Miguel Oliveira and Zarco as silver riders. That's a good team. In hindsight, it's a good team. Well, that's I had Oliveira and Quattara as golds, with Ducati as my team, with Vangaya and Zarco as silvers. Well, every time I've and changed actually... rider, they've just gone on to do absolutely rubbish. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Just jinxing like, myself. It's... Yeah, I, I swapped Jack Miller out before Hareth for Maverick. And Jack Miller won. Fabio was my other gold rider. He dropped like a stone because of arm pump. And Maverick wasn't even near the podium. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that happened. Um, and I got rid of Miguel for Jack Miller. And I was like, oh, Jack, you know, Bagnaya. I think I had Bagnaya. I swapped Bagnaya out for Magello as well for Miguel Oliveira. Paco crashed and Oliveira got second so, so I, yeah. I I wanted to see what the uh, the person in 10th triple seven six fiver had I think he has not been playing because he, got, like, he has Morbidelli Morbidelli and Rossi as his gold with <laughs> Yamaha as his team with Fabio and Vinales as silvers <laughs> I think he's a Yamaha fan uh, you think yeah it might, it might might be swapping if he well if he is that much of a Yamaha fan to stick with that for his team and he ends up swapping out Miguel for Vinales maybe he's our inside information that Oliver is coming <laughs> to Yamaha. 
I think we're glossing that off too much. But if I can get that going on on Twitter and people start, if if that come, if I see someone like Simon Patterson or you know anybody like that say anything about Miguel Oliveira and Yamaha in the same tweet, I am absolutely buzzing. I'm absolutely. Don't get me wrong. I love Vinales and whatnot, but if the at the rate it's going at, it's looking like it's gaining more and more weight. But the first name in the hat is Oliveira or Fernandez. I'm happy as Larry. Absolutely happy as Larry. So, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Okay, yeah, so that's it for Asin. Um, summer break starts now. Uh, we got five weeks until Red Bull Ring. Send us some suggestions um, for things to talk about if you want to... Wanna, yeah, yes. we, do, do. we do have some... Uh, Interesting shows lined up. Uh, Yet to be revealed. It's weird. I, I hate that this is coming at after race nine because one more race and we could do the half season review. Yeah. yeah. So it's like we'll do if we do the half season review during the break, we're only going to be reviewing like nine more or four more races from what we did before. Yeah. And then. At the three-quarter review, we're going to do six races. Yeah, having said that, COVID could probably um, <laughs> do a little spinner on that well, and be and like, well, things might get cancelled, you know, things get moved about. Cause obviously and COVID speaking of that, Coda is back. So yeah. we're up to 20 races this season. It's, ah. yeah, we, we do have some things planned. Um, obviously, we'll announce them in due course when they actually end up going mm-hmm. ahead and whatnot. Mm. Um, teaser yeah a little, little bit of a teaser there figure out what you can but um we have we've mentioned a few things haven't we that we we're planning on doing like maybe yeah. something like like a honda thing and speaking about stuff like that we obviously have transfer talk where you know we've kind of dipped into that today mm-hmm. but uh um, speculation yeah i did also have a suggestion off of a regular listener of ours who sent let me just get it up i believe he mentioned something along the lines of <laughs> and i think it's gained a bit of a a thing matt that you know that I, I don't think josh was i don't know if josh was in the podcast at the time but we were talking about the old magello race that you watched and i was like, oh it's magello 04 and whatnot and i think oh, yeah i think i was there yeah yeah, he mentioned it that um, he was like, oh, what you should do is is you should go through old races and kind of educate Matt on absolute classics and break <laughs> them down. And I was like, it's a good idea in a way because you have the video pass, so you can actually go back and watch them. Yep. Um, and maybe we can like reminisce on old races. But I think I was like, it's a great idea. But for, for Josh and Matt, it's an awful idea because I won't shut up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, well, Bono, like, eight-hour, maybe. Bono, like, two hours. Yeah, about 24-hour yeah. endurance podcast or something. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a good idea. I mean, we can definitely do part of an episode with that, like mm-hmm. going through some classic races or maybe maybe just, like, breaking down our moments and our, or, like, our picks of halfway through. You know, it could be our summer break in that we pick maybe a rider that's, you know, done something significant mm. that we want to pick out or maybe a prediction for the second half of yeah. the season you know we kind of look back at our well I, I wasn't in it but your guys's first podcast at the start and kind of making some assumptions and see how they panned out um maybe maybe we do something like that i don't know but if anybody has any ideas or anything like that if you're not in our discord or oh, well the the bono gp discord that i've got that we're all in um you can join that we have 
people in there that suggest stuff anyway. We have our Twitter and whatnot that you can send us stuff or reply to any of the tweets we decide to actually churn out. <laughs> <laughs> you can um, do whatever. Whatever you're listening to or whatnot, there'll always be a way to suggest something. It'd be good to have some suggestions from other people other than us because then we'll just end up sitting here talking about transfer talk. But, Indeed. Yeah. yeah, so that's it for this week. So with that, keep the throttle pinned.